Then, yeah, just wear the beanie. That's it. That's pretty solid. I feel good about that. That's a good way to start this. Get the attitude up high, you know. Good trade two J's if you can become Wolverine. Where are you getting all this information? I definitely heard some some rumors about it. Are you still going? I, I, I get goosebumps thinking about it because it's like you can hear them get the car. I was going to qualify and I was going to drive it out the racetrack. Just threw the hood over the ditch and longest employee of Knox. You did some digging there, huh? Look, a bunch of you use this code all 2023. Let's keep that train rolling. So if you are looking for some awesome FD apparel, different stuff, you know, things to buy, maybe it's not for you, maybe it's for somebody else, might as well save a couple of dollars. So when you're on shopfd.com, use podcast 24, just the, you know, podcast numbers, you know, podcast two, four at checkout, save yourself 20%. And uh, yeah, if you do, let me know. Just, Just if you see me in person, give me a high five, say, hey, Thanks for saving 20%. Maybe online, shoot me a, you know, just shoot a note. You know where to find me. Links are in the description, all that stuff. If you feel like stalking me or just letting me know that you save some money. So shopfd.com, podcast 24, save yourself some money. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Editor's Zone, the official podcast of Formula Drift. My name is Jacob Gettins, and today we have the double J, Mr. Jeff Jones. What's going on, buddy? What is up, my dude? Dude, um, glad to have you on. Glad we got to make this work. This has been. I'm, a- I'm stoked to be on, bro. It's like a year in the making. You called me like over a year ago. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. That uh, was that was that the like the intro when I was like making the teaser. About yes, the it show. was. Like, yep, yep. That was. I was in the dude, middle was- of a staging gig, and you I get this random call from this random dude, and I'm like, "Hey, what's up? You're doing a podcast? All right." Did want it like. The funny part was like, that was my idea to do it. And then as soon as I pitched the idea, I was like, this is going to be really weird. Cause like, I kind of know a bunch of you, but most of the drivers, like I really didn't have a, 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 a deep relationship with. And I'm just like, I'm like, maybe that'll play out really well. And it did. Cause like so many of you guys were confused. You're like, yep. sure. Yeah. I don't know who this is. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, it worked. It worked out well though. Worked out well. So yeah, dude, I'm I'm happy to have you on. We've we've chatted a bit. You made a an appearance, I think, in Long Beach. Really, was it Long Beach or yeah, yeah, Long Beach? You yelled at me when I was walking by, and you're like, "Stop by!" I ran over. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it's ran, good. Man. Ran in with the boys. No, this That's is good. cool. I've been a uh, you know honest. Watched every single show. I think I've watched. I haven't. Um, I don't know if the Forest one's already out, but I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, uh, saw yeah, the promo for it. Um, I'm halfway through K- Kazuya's. Um, it was good. You know, yeah. yeah. Trying to remember hey. a lot of them. It's a lot of good questions, man. You know, one <laughs> well, that's one that sticks out to me today. is uh, Dylan's. <laughs> like, what an episode! That one was that one. So it's so weird because, like, when it comes to researching it, um, depending on the age of the driver, I have certain information, right? So, like, the younger drivers, their whole life has been on the internet. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's all there, and I can find it. And I've got I've got a couple of people that are like in deep that I can like resource and stuff like that. So his was was awesome because his whole life was on the internet and I could just pick and choose and, you know, some inside baseball. Uh, I chatted with his dad ahead of time, had a good call with him. Like, you know, I was able to get a lot of good stuff. So right. it just depends. Like James Dean was a nightmare because like <laughs> Ireland just doesn't keep track of things. <laughs> sure. So <laughs> yeah, 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 no, you did some pretty good research. I'm also a fan of, uh, what is that? The hot ones? Yes. The, uh, that's a great, like, uh, I don't think you call it a podcast, but whatever you call that show, that yeah, dude does interview. a pretty good job of uh, interviewing and getting some backstories. <laughs> him and him and uh, uh, an interviewer named Nardward, if you know who that is, um, no. 
he's he's like interviews a lot of people in the rap and R&B scene. Uh, he's Canadian, very very strange, like um, very very strange guy. But like some of the stuff that he pulls out, like the, these artists are freaking out. They're they're just like, how did you know that? Like, what did you like? That's that <laughs> happened to me like for like a weekend. Like, how did right. you know my rap name in in high school for one week? So. Yeah, I've I reached out to his team too, and I'm like, can you just explain to me like how he does this? And he is his own team. He, he just does it. I have no idea how. But yeah, that that's definitely good. one of those things where it's like, is it better to know the person, or is it better to not know anything so you can ask those right questions and dig deep on it? Yeah, it's tough. Like, uh, like some drivers I know really really well, some I don't, and like I always I always want to know like going into the podcast, like do I do I want to know everything going in so I can lead the conversation and take it where I want to? Or do I just want to ask a bunch of questions that I genuinely want to know and not actually look for the answer? So this mm-hmm. one's kind of cool. Cause like a lot of fans wrote in you, uh, you blew up the spot ahead of time, which I love. And a bunch of people had questions. So like, I think that's, it's going to be a good mix of that, which I'm, awesome. I'm excited for. Yeah, man. And I'm an open book. Ask me whatever you want. You know, we'll fire away. We'll go through it. You know, I've got plenty of uh, history in formula D history and drifting. So. Yeah. I, I think that's like, you know, for, for, I always try to like match the, the idea of like, like of people watching this. A lot of them are in the same boat that I am, like the first or the, the latest 10 years. Like that seems to be the really deep knowledge base. So I don't think a lot of people realize how long you've been in this. Yeah. Are, are those people like, like the, who are Reese Millen people? <laughs> yeah. Which yeah, like, I'm, a, yeah. I'm blown away when they don't know certain names. I'm like, God, I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's got to be some OGs that have like moved on where you're like, how do you not know this guy? Like, this is the guy that did this thing for me or, or, you know, gave me this car or set me up like this way. Yep, yep. I remember, quick funny story on one of the things that probably upset me the first time about this. We were at like an old um, Just Drift event or Drift League, whatever it was up at Willow Springs. And I brought some old D1 GP videos with me and put it on like, projector on the side of the trailer. We're all chilling, drinking some beers, watching this after the comp, you know, because after we've watched Pro-Am drifting, why not watch some more drifting just because they're in talk. And some dude walks up, walks past us and he's like, oh, is this live streaming right now? And I'm like, the audio's there. You can hear Keiichi screaming, you know, all of them going on. I'm like, you don't know Kumakubo and <laughs> what's going on right now? It's like, oh no, what is this? I'm like, D1, GP? Nope, never heard of it. I'm like, wow. Okay. I think it's, it's tough though. Cause like you with this sport, like it's young, but it's not that young. Like it's not mm-hmm. like, you know, it's pickleball or something where there's only like a couple years of, of recorded history, yeah, but it's, yeah. it's, it's young enough where like, it's not like the NHL or baseball where you're going back, you know, a hundred years. So it sits in mm-hmm. that weird gray area of like, of, of history and longevity. But yeah, what I love yeah. about the sport and where I think people kind of should know some of this is, um, our sport still has what I want to say is culture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, these guys, when you look at the culture of where our styling comes from and how our cars are developed and what they looked like originally came from like those old D1 days, right? We were all stuck on those option videos and, you know, D1 videos that came across. And so I feel like our, our, we're holding on to a lot of culture in that aspect. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think depending, like livery is probably the biggest place that you can look for it. Um, where you can you can look at the way the car is styled and some of the colors and sticker choices and like things like mirrored stickers, right? Like if you mm-hmm. want to if you want to see somebody who's doing like a really good throwback to 
the traditional JDM drifting days. Like, look for somebody running mirrored stickers on their car. Like, yep, yep. Yeah, not reflective. Like, literally, like, yeah, yeah. it's mirrored on the hey, other bro, side. Hey, bro, this whole so. side's uh, opposite wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did that yeah. on purpose, I swear. <laughs> but, like, if you see that, you know exactly what the callout is to, right? And yeah. I think I think the U.S. drifting has adapted in in multiple ways. Like your liveries changed numerous times over the years. I mean, you you've kind of been in the the black and red phase really since kind of like Doc really came on originally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, going back, you you had some hexagon designs, you had some blue liveries, some white liveries, like yellow livery as well. Like you know, it's it's developed over the years. Yeah, the yellow livery. It's the dark days. <laughs> it's the dark days. I don't think anybody. I dude. I didn't even know that you were a rotary head back in the day. Yep, yep. That's why uh, me and Kyle are good friends. Um, it's how I got into not how I got into drifting, but a big part of my drifting history is all in an FC, uh, blowing up rotaries, hanging out uh, with JTP at the track, uh, Henry Shelley. You know that whole crew. Man, I blew up a lot of those things. It seems to be like the California rotary crew. Like, I, I don't know why, but there's just like this base of you, you know, all within LA and the, and the surrounding areas. Like, I, I'm, I'm so curious as to why that pocket kind of got into Rotary so deeply. Yeah, kind of odd, right? Maybe they were here and cheap. Um, I might be one of the few that still has my FC. I know Forsberg has his, um, but he didn't really have his driving at that time. Um, mm. Unfortunately, JTP's original one got stolen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he had another one, but Andy, uh, Andy's tire still drives that one. And, uh, Kyle, man, I always give him crap. Bring it out, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, I love the fact that like a lot of you guys do have those original cars because mm-hmm. like at some point in time that becomes like a museum piece, right? Uh, <laughs> I guess so. I don't think mine's going in a museum. I think I'm just going to drive that thing till she's, uh, burned to the ground. You know, <laughs> it's, it's currently got a, uh, 1.5 JZ in it right now. They, uh, a cylinder that's not so round anymore. Needs a little bit of love. May have uh, going, drove it a little bit going, too hard. It's going back to its rotary roots. That's all. Pretty it's, much, it's, man. It's just, it's going oval because, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> it's bad. Do you, like, is that like a weird piece of nostalgia that's just stuck on? You're like, I can't, I can't sell it. Like, why? Like, this is. Yeah, this is no, it's, it's terrible, bro. That is like, um, there is no reason to keep that car. It is got a cage that shouldn't pass any kind of tech. Um, <laughs> it's been on fire multiple times. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's got all of the worst parts, all the hand me downs into it. But, you know, I take it up to Apple Valley Speedway and it moves, you know, it boogies, um, when it runs. But no, <laughs> I, you know, it's a good car to have fun in. I could definitely probably sell just the swap kit in that thing and, and, use that money for something else. But yeah, no, that's stupid history. That's the one thing I won't get rid of. Like when I sold my S14, I was like, sweet, I'm making a financially smart decision here, saving some money for a house, right? <laughs> Bye. Uh, the FC? No, no, keep it. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one to to part ways with. There's there's parts of me that wishes I had like some of my old original cars back. And I, I've said a couple of times, like nostalgia is a hell of a drug. Like mm-hmm. it really, really is. For sure. But, for sure. Yeah. You, you've held on to bits and pieces though. Didn't you take your, your S chassis dash and move it into the Z at one point in time? Um, let's see. What did I have? It was an S14 dash that's in my older car. For those that don't mm-hmm. know, I have two Zs. One is my old pro car. Um, it weighed a good amount. So I built a second one. And yeah, that car had an S14 dash in it. 
from the old S14. And, um, you know, just to, I, I always do something with the dash, like throw on some, I don't know what you call it, just like go to Annan's Linens, find some kind of funny fabric and just throw it over top. One year we did pants that had pants on pants. That was my S13. Um, we had bandanas on one. But usually the FD live stream crew or uh, maybe the TV crew was like, Jeff, there's a big glare from your window. It's hard to get like camera footage through there. I don't know. And you know, it's kind of funny when they told me that. I was like, that's probably messing me up too. But whatever. Looks cool. I mean, it, like that's why you flock a dash, right? Is to, to make sure there's no glare off of it. Yeah. It's always wonder with like Literal's dash where like it's incredible. If, if anybody listening gets a chance, go check out Ryan Literal's dash. It's crazy. But like, it's pretty reflective. <laughs> yeah, right. That's got to hurt yeah. certain uh, certain venues. Yeah, I can see like Seattle. Just like as the sun goes down, it's already a nightmare to see that. Like just that bounce, another piece of lighting in your eyes going around that bank's got to suck. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you, I I think you are one of the last guys truly that's keeping drifting fun in FD. Is that just purely natural? Like just your personality that's doing that, or is that like a concerted effort to? to not take this that seriously. You know, there's got to be a balance there, right? Um, you know, you got to love Matt Field when he goes up and tells everyone, I'm just here to win. Screw you guys. Yeah. You got to love that attitude. Um, and I'm definitely not here to just have fun. That's not just have fun goal. I'm definitely somewhere in the balance of it. But it's like, man, if we're going to go spend this amount of money, make this our livelihood, it's got to be freaking fun. You know? Mm-hmm. So there, I think there's just a natural balance that comes with me and everything that I do. Like, uh, I'm just super competitive in a lot of things, but where I'm competitive, I don't get all pissed off if I lose. I'm just competitive because like, Hey, if we're both drinking this beer, who's drinking it faster, right? If we're mm. running to the door, I'm beating you there, right? I know you talked yeah. about this before. I'm definitely one of those guys. <laughs> um, but it's all just for fun, man. Like I just, I'm not good at sitting still, right? I like having activities. If we're sitting around all drinking beer at a table, I'm going to make some kind of drinking game out of it. I just, uh, I like working. I like having fun. And uh, drifting just comes so natural to what I like to do in life. Wrenching on cars, um, making, uh, expressing myself through our cars. And I don't know. It's just, for me, I guess it's natural, man. It just really comes out. I like being competitive. And I like the natural fun of it. And just fun with my friends. Like, it's just a big old high school party, right? Every yeah. single time hanging out with all your good buds, the circus that's floating, whatever you want to call it. It's fun times. It, it is always interesting to see the personalities come out in either the build or delivery or, or like small things like that. Because like, as you said, like Matt Field's car, that is, that is an all business car. Mm-hmm. Like that is between the livery, the build out, you know, everything that is about how can I dominate? Like that's every single thing that's in it. You know, whereas yours, like you've got a Ninja Turtle pillow on the seat. <laughs> Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, which I still, I still question, like how, like how much Dr. Pepper you've had to use as bribery to let Kevin, you know, pass that because there's Zero no way Dr. that's flame resistant. All Doc, ah, that is all Doc. All doc. Oh, did, did you ever convert him, or does he just like pour it into an empty I, can? I've had him on Doc. No, I've had him. Yeah, he's a he's a hardcore fan of you know, but. I've had him take some dock and, and I've definitely played with them, mess with them. You know, I've had him come out from underneath the, uh, the car and like, here you go, bud. I'm going home now. <laughs> you know, we're done, right? <laughs> no, nah, he's pretty chill. So I've, I've, conversation goes a long way. 
right? Mm, mm. You know, when they're getting to that part of the car, you don't want them looking at too long, start bringing up other things. <laughs> There's some strategy during tech inspection for strategy sure. Strategy amongst everything. Yes. Yeah. It's like getting pulled over, right? Like you get pulled over, you keep them talking, ask them things. Hey, oh, local, born and raised here. Like you, you make friends with that cop. There's a good chance you're getting off with a, with a warning. So. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I just yeah. I just figured the the Ninja Turtle wasn't flame resistant, so that was like my my only concern with it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, def- it's at this point for sure it's not. It's got so much like tire and oil built onto it. You know, it's been in there for several years, transferred from the old car to this car. Um, <laughs> that thing <laughs> for sure. But uh, you can actually put it on your head. There's dudes who took and laps with me wearing it. Wow, yeah. I would love to know how much more it weighs. Right, like, huh. like if we find a fresh one and put them both on the scale, like how much oil and and smoke build up as just like permeated and added to the to the gross weight of that pillow. Yeah, for sure, that thing's probably gross. <laughs> I uh, it it needs a new character. I wanted to put something else in there with the new car. Um, okay. that was just kind of a second, not a second thought, but essentially, I was like, all right, we're bringing him in with us. You know, I didn't. He didn't appear in the first round. And that's maybe why I wrecked so much when I first debuted this car. It was a horrible way to debut this car at Long Beach in 2022. Oh yeah. my God. I wrecked three times in a row. <laughs> it's uh it's funny how like how just how much that track eats cars. Like between, you know, you, Madfield, Jonathan Hurst. I mean, I know there's other guys that have, have wrecked there. I mean, even I think Turk, Turk wrecked a brand new car there. Uh, yeah. It's it really is like the best and worst way to open the season. <laughs> it is the worst place to debut a car, bro. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I don't think uh, it is what it is though, right? We have no say in the matter. This is what's, yeah. what's going down and we're doing it. Is I, I think you just, yeah, you have to accept it. I think that's just like within this level of competition, there's so many things you just have to be like, okay, well, it's happening. So mm-hmm. am I going to complain about it or am I just going to make it work, right? Exactly. I always just make things work. That's, I mean, it's a, the scrappy mentality. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, gets you, gets you through. <laughs> but, you know, Long Beach, like, I really wish we could, um, I used to love that track. The last five years, that track has just had so much rubber in the, you know, outer zone pockets. Mm-hmm. And it's just eats up cars in that specific spot. You're hauling ass and then you get into that, you know, first outer zone and the car just slows down to a crawl. You've got no traction right there. And then you finally get out of there if you didn't spin out and then boom, back to rocket ship and then back to a crawl. Underneath the bridge isn't as bad, but once you get past the judge's tower in that zone right there, mm-hmm. another spot where it sucks. So hopefully they can scrape the track this time or try burning it off again like they did last year. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Even like just like the regularity of the street sweeper. Right. Just to like be able to pull the marbles away from from the edge of the wall. Cause like people don't realize like those marbles build up and then they start bouncing off each other. And then that starts coming further and further out into the racing line. Oh yeah. And the so. dudes like me, Forsberg, uh, Turk, all the guys that have like low overhanging cars. Mm-hmm. Um, right. The Mustangs got three feet back there before their <laughs> tires get to the wall. Yeah. You know, but for us, where our tires are always in that wall, right on top of marbles. That always sucks. Um, but you know, I mean, Chelsea will put his tire into the wall no matter what, and the whole back of his car will just move. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be some strategy in in just that, like the actual the vehicle itself, right? Like we, there, I feel like we're at a point now with with 
a lot of the angle kits and grip kits were like realistically between the front wheel to the rear wheel, we're within a delta of like five to 10%. Like it's not a lot, but it's that, that overhang that's now coming into play. But I mean, you can always go back to like Osbo in the Corolla, just dominating people. And it mm-hmm. has, I think the least amount of overhang of, of any car. Oh yeah. No, you gotta be a pretty good driver to, uh, and like Turk, right. Number one qualifier long beach last year, just yeah. did an amazing job getting it through there. Um, but just visually, aesthetically, you can see so much more angle in the Mustangs versus other cars, right? I always always joke with Kyle, like in his Miata, MX-5, whatever you want to call that funny thing. Yeah. It's like, you got no angle, bro. He's like, yeah, it does. You just can't tell. <laughs> They're so round, got, right? It's like yeah. the egg. I was, I was having this conversation, like just about kind of the argument around the 8.6 chassis where like once you throw a full, you know, full kit on it, it's almost as wide as it is long wheelbase wise. So like same thing, like when you're watching that car rotate, it rotates in such a different way because of that. They're like, I think it's like a hundred inches basically square. So like they, they do, they turn and rotate in such a different way than, than any other car because of that. And they don't have a ton of overhang and like, you know, there, I think speaking of Chelsea, like he's got some big opinions on that car, but like, I do think that, you know, they're readily available and we've learned a lot from them, but like as a chassis, there's, I do think there's much better options now. It's just what you can get your hands on at this point in time. That's, that's got development and parts, right? Exactly. I mean, there's a ton of cars out there that we could all be driving. Uh, but do you want to go through the time of making your own angle kit? You know, it's a lot easier right. just to go pick up something from part shop max and throw it on your car and run it, you know, Give simple. It- yeah, given like like unlimited resources, like what car would you be running? Like, doesn't have to like what, what would you be picking? You know, somebody asked me that a long time ago, and I think I said the uh, the Lexus LFA. Um, that thing's just gnarly, looks cool, right? Yeah, I, w- I would do something dumb like that. Um, but I'm pretty happy with the car that I have. And um, but here's something cool that I think I'm gonna do, and it's just okay. because I've been watching Mustangs drive for the last few years, and ever since Vaughn came out with that chrome nose on his Mustang. I, I even told Bon, I'm like, man, you're really selling Mustangs on me right now. But not to go down the Mustang route, I did purchase a 2019 Camaro. So interesting. I am going to be building up a Camaro. I'm not saying I'm going to compete in Formula D in it, but over the off season of 24, I am going to start to work on this thing, develop it, throw a motor in it, take it out drifting. It's a newer body style than the older one that people saw Conrad drive. Um, right. I saw Tyler McCory. That thing is bigger box, much wider wheelbase. Um, they literally told me to stay away from those cars. Before I built the 370Z, I was almost going to build one of those. And I literally called up one of my buddies like, hey, can you get this from Copart for me? And he's like, Jeff, come to my shop first. I got something over here. And he had the 370Z that I bought from him. And I'm like, all right, well, this is an easier plan. And then I called up Part Shop Max. I'm like, hey, do you have parts for either one of these cars? And they're like, well, if you do the Camaro, bye. <laughs> but if you do the 370, wow. we got you. It, so it really is like the Dodge line of cars has has been so untapped in in drifting, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, with I don't want to like shed a light on on something I, I really don't agree with, but like you see it a lot in in other types of burnout culture, if you will. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. But in drifting, like Man, you just don't see it a lot. Like any of the 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 Dodge, I mean Viper, but like that's that's like one dude. No offense, Dean, but like 
you just don't see much Mopar in drifting, which is exactly. Unfortunately, you know, it's um, I feel like that's just a big old tennis shoe box. Uh, mm. that's probably got a brick in it. <laughs> Do you really want to go drift that thing? They look freaking rad. Now, yeah. are they going to, uh, are they going to perform? You know, you could probably gut the heck out of it with FD rules. I don't know the limitations of the suspension. If anyone's made suspension for it, um, you know, how, how much weight can you take out of thing? I've heard a lot of problems about the engines. I've yeah. heard that they can make a good amount of power for a little bit. And then you're having quickly running into problems, right? So that's something you don't want to have a headache with. Like, are you going to go buy a Dodge and jam an LS in it? Yeah. I mean, at this point, like nothing is sacrilege in drifting anymore. <laughs> it's not, but still, I'm sure there's somebody out there that's doing it. He's just in Pro-Am and hasn't got out of there yet. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd be curious. Like, I think you guys are stripping these cars down so far. And even at the Pro-Am level, like they're basically going down to bare chassis. So mm-hmm. I, I would love to know what the bare weight of like, I mean, full naked car, like what's the base weight? What are we working with here? Like, so that, yeah, could, right? that like, could be the issue. What's the crash structure is going on in there? Because there's certain cars you can get down to pretty much nothing. 240s, yeah. S13s. There's a lot you can take out of there. Like yeah. uh, back in the day, when we were dumb and didn't realize that these cars were going to be expensive later, we used to cut them up. Like, oh, you wrecked your S13, whatever. Let's cut it up, take it to the recycling yard. Boom, gone. You're right. You know, just for like smashing the front end on it. Now we're like, oh, we can save it. But when we used to cut them up, I could always tell like, dude, an FC is way harder to cut up than an S13. The metal sticker, Hmm. there's like way more structure inside of each like A pillar, B pillar. And then, um, you know, like, I don't know if they're doing it now still, but like when you'd get a a front clip for like SR20 swap, you'd always see those were always cut up. You can kind of see down the A pillars, all the extra metal in there. So you could see the ones that were just stronger. I think that's what makes an FC itself a little bit heavier than most of them than certain other cars. Just the certain layers and and how they're yeah more layers know, internally marrying it all together yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean I I see guys now like spot like drilling out spot welds of of S chassis and selling like one specific section for hundreds if not thousands of dollars <laughs> exactly you know, I remember seeing like Rad Dan doing that on the Supra and I'm like oh this seems like a lot of work <laughs> like yeah it's crazy but then you, you kind of realize same thing like this is a car that is is a commodity like it's we're not, we're not making anymore mm-hmm. so it has no plans on making reproduction parts right now so like yeah it's worth the time to spot weld this especially with like some of the fd regulations where like if you want to replace that part the only way to do it is to drill out spot welds and re-weld that part in yep yep and it's like yeah. you said earlier it's uh our cars are the formula d cars are almost not cars anymore but yeah. I am a fan of the uh, sticking to the suspension that they came with. So okay. you know, that, that's a, a different aspect from like the NASCAR, you know, where they went. Because, you know, what happened to stock cars? Like, what does that word even mean anymore? Yeah. You, know, you, you guys talk about it a lot on here. The, you know, full tube chassis versus, uh, you know, what we are. Maybe it's because I'm older. Maybe I like the nostalgic of building your car. So like mm-hmm. literally... Uh, was it yesterday or the day before listening to Brandon Sorensen's podcast and where he wanted to be with it, you know, build a full tube chassis. Yeah. And the, the question I was waiting for you to ask him was, well, what's your favorite car? Right? Because if you could build oh, any car, you didn't ask him, what, what's your favorite car to drift? Why did you choose a BMW? 
So I think you got like this new crowd of guys who just want to build a pro drift car and have mm-hmm. no car culture, for lack of better words, that gravitates them to a Nissan chassis or Mazda chassis or Toyota chassis, right? So for me, I want to drive in a manufactured chassis because I do want to drive these cars to the car meets. I do want to brag about, you know, those simple, small things, uh, you know, on the home build cars. So I, I would, think that's the difference. So what I would, I would argue to that point, it's really interesting, but what I would argue is that what, what you're attached to, what Brandon are attached to are the exact same thing. But what we have to remember is the, the point of attachment and the timeline that that attachment would have happened. Mm-hmm. Right. So you would have been attached to these cars. Let's say, let's say at like 10 or 11, 12, well, you know, let's say 10 to 16 is kind of that. That's when you get attached to cars. Right. Sure. What he is attached to now or what he talked about didn't exist. So the reason why you're, you're attached to a specific chassis is because like a, a pro FD card didn't exist yet. Right. So he's just attached to the idea of. I want the craziest drifting car I can get. And on, on your side of things, that's an LFA. That, that would have been the craziest, but we've progressed so far since that attachment point that like, you know, it's, it's so, not an LFA. Well, it's here's the next question. What would, your, what would your full tube chassis car look like when it's done? Mm, like what body do you put on top of it? Yeah, right? because like that's what, what you're going to gravitate towards. So... I don't mind the whole two Whatever. chassis thing. Like yeah. Chris Forsberg's Altamaniac. Freaking crazy. sick. But yeah. it's still a Nissan. It's not underneath, but it's yeah. gravitating towards something. Now, what's really cool is uh, Cricket's, uh, Felipe's uh, S13. Probably butchered mm-hmm. his name. I don't know how to say it. But his <laughs> S13. Yeah. Uh, that thing, all the suspension points are in the same spot, right? All the pickup points. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like an S13. It's a full tube frame thing and he's building it so it will be a replaceable chassis. Yeah. But it's going to look like an S13. I feel like that's the ultimate sick car for, yes, we can build tube frame cars, but yes, they still replicate something of what we like, of what we want. It's just such a blurry line of like where, you know, does does a NASCAR look like a Camry or a Supra? No. It's got the headlight stickers, like, yeah. but, but under, you know, remove the stickers and all of those cars. I literally watched a thing on it the other day. They're within a hundred thousandth of each yeah, other. Yeah, there's no diversity of those things no. outside of an emblem of a sticker. That's so, where I so like So then it just, our it just becomes like whoever pays more, right? Like it just mm-hmm. becomes who pays more. That's, that's the livery. That's the car you go with is, you know, Chris goes with a Nissan because. Sponsorship, I mean, it, sure. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure Brandon wouldn't care. It just depends on what name's on the check. Yeah. That's why I'm wondering what it, what he would make it look like after the fact. All right. I'm making notes for the next time he's on. There you go. There you go. <laughs> no, it's good. It's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not against uh, tube frame cars at all. I think it's we're ultimately going to get there. It's going to be a good yeah. idea. But I think, uh, again, you know how we kind of started this conversation. I like the heritage of the sport. And so I would at least make your you know, tube frame car look like something. You know, like I'm yeah. not a fan of death carts. Not a fan okay. of those at all. The death carts where you just like cut up the whole Miata, Beamer, whatever, and you just, yeah, see. you know, you're just there to be simple and small tires. I mean, I get it. You're saving money. Definitely get mm-hmm. that. But eh, you're, you're losing the sex appeal of it. 
I mean, look at like the, what is it? Like the Legends cars, the Bandoleros, like that kind of stuff. Like that is vaguely referencing like an old Ford Model A kind of. Sure. You know? I'm, sh- I'm sure somebody's going to come in. It's not that. It's a 34 Ford or something. But you, you understand the concept <laughs> of it. Like it is a yeah. tube frame vehicle that happens to look like an old tiny roadster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those things are cool. Yeah. They're they're sick. I um seeing Adam LZ's video on that like kind of made me have pause where it's like, oh, like a lot of circle track stuff is not doing great. And a lot of these cars are up for sale real cheap. Like, could we see a old circle track style drifting event where like that's our easiest entry into getting into tube chassis? Where it's like it's a we take a stock class from a different racing series, modify a couple of things, and now it is a drift car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just want to, like, as I've said before, I just want to see the sport progress. I don't really have an attachment as to how it needs to. I just want to see it keep moving oh, forward. Exactly. I mean, you know, I am. You see oh, yeah. all the stuff I'm doing in the back end. Yeah. yeah, dude. You're, uh, I, I always think I'm busy and then like I'll check in on guys like you or Forsberg or like basically anybody in drifting. I'm like, oh, I still have time in my day because like Jeff Jones is, has a full-time job, is has an FD program, is running an entire drifting series on top of that and then making meme content constantly. Like, what am I doing with my day? <laughs> <laughs> I just like working, man. And the passion of drifting is just an addiction. And, um, you know, I... I Felt like there was a few more hours in my day and saw a need, you know, and I had a business partner who wanted to like help out. So me and RJ were like, hey, we're creating our own drift series, you know, and then I don't, I forget how we called it hot pit, but <laughs> yeah, I think we were just like trying to come up with catchy names that people say all the time. And then uh, two, two words, hot and pit. And- yeah. Yeah. Hot's going to yeah. come out of most things, right? It's probably the first word you think of for a lot of stuff. Hot mm-hmm. pit. Yeah. It works out well, though, because, you know, it really messes people up at Formula D and other places. Take yourself to Hot Pit, you know, or when you're actually oh. at Hot Pit, you're like, where are we going? We're going to the Hot Pit. What do you mean we're going to the Hot Pit? <laughs> uh, no, so, it's good. It's it's good co-branding. I like it. Yeah. No, that worked out well. And yeah, dude, that's, uh, I have more and more appreciation for Ryan Sage, Jim Lau, everyone in Formula D, everyone across the country of small, you know, Pro-Am series that are trying to do their thing. Because goddamn, it's a lot of work. You you like beat me to that question because like I I do I want to understand like how your perspective has changed going from a competitor to an organizer. Like oh yeah, I've worn like every single hat. I feel like you know of course in drifting, um, in my program, I'm the racer, I'm the marketing person, I'm signing contracts. You know, I'm just trying to figure all those things out, running the rig, yada yada, and then threw on the hat of you know being a uh, an event organizer. And I had been judging, you know, multiple events before that. So that was an easy thing for me to take on. Um, luckily, I've also uh, owned a concert stage and lighting business. And I've been doing concerts like literally since I was 14 years old. So structure of large venues and, and running that kind of came easy to me as well. So mm-hmm. how I was able to, you know, um, design, let's just say, you know, vendors, idealizing where security will be drivers coming in, loading packets, that's stuff that we at least did for the concerts as well, right? Because with us, we're, we're, when's the band coming in? You know, where's the PA at? Where's the stage going to be at? There's a lot of things, you know, like I would also do like Sunset Music Festival, Sunset. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a pretty big show where there's a lot of moving parts. So I was at least already kind of wearing a similar hat 
put that hat on for Hot Pit. And then, uh, but man, there, there's being, I, I wonder how many people complain to Ryan Sage because there's definitely a lot of people that complain, not complain, but just like want to put in their two cents, right? And I know I'm one of those people with Ryan Sage um, <laughs> that always have their, you know, uh, strong opinion, you know? But I'm hoping for the best of the sport. But uh, I'm sure Ryan gets a lot of it. Um, but yeah, with that, dude, just so many hats to do this. Um, figuring out like like Andy Luck's job of safety, right? He's got like all the structure that's got to happen, where people got to be, people you got to kick out if they're something's going wrong. Um, <laughs> I've had to do all of this stuff, and I'm like, God damn, I need an Andy Luck over here now. <laughs> you know, like that's kind of how we run a hot pit. Is all right, you're doing. Uh, Kevin Wells' job. You're doing Andy Luck's job, you know? Because <laughs> that's the best way to like reference what their job right. is going to be and how they're going to do it. So, yeah. I need someone who's going to be mean and kick people out. You're Andy Luck. <laughs> uh, I, I really have to get him on the show. I, yeah, you I do. do. He's so good. I know. I, so good. I, love, I love Andy. And it's like, he's so such a juxtaposition. Mm -hmm. like, and he's got the, that a position where no one's going to like. Right. No. He's yeah. <laughs> you, Someone you, has you, to. Yeah. You become friends with him. You right. Like we're. I feel like we're pretty good friends now. Uh, the first few years, definitely, I was messing up, doing something wrong, and he was yelling at me. <laughs> Luckily, I got on his good graces. But now I totally see his perspective on you need that person. What's the most unforeseen thing that's happened running Hot Pit? Where like it happened, you're like I. There's no way I could have planned for this. Like, uh, we'll good or bad? Because <laughs> I've done both. I, I mean, I mean, either uh, one. I'm, I'm down well, for what, both. What what came yeah. to what came to mind when you said unforeseen? Uh, we invited some stunt bikers to come and put on a show, and he's like, okay. "Sweet, I'll invite the crew." Well, we had over 300 bikers. I can't even give you a number, but it was over 300 bikers roll up, and I guess they thought that they were just gonna roll in through the front door, like all club style, park them, line them up. Yeah. And uh, they were rolling in just nonstop. And it just stopped the whole show, right? Luckily, the cars were loud enough on that side. And the, so the drivers were still going. But all the spectators, all the import car shows, all the models on stage, they're turning around going, what's like, are we okay? <laughs> and so in my <laughs> mind, I was like, oh, this is cool. They actually showed up. And then my mind went to, Oh, they're still coming. There's more of them and more of them. Like, and then I was like, huh, is this going to be a safety hazard at this point? <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, something had happened to one of their bikers on the way in. Some like, I don't know if he got in a wreck or what happened, but they all had to leave like 20 minutes after showing up. So it kind of just ended up being like a parade of all these Harleys that came in. And it was really rad to see it, but then they all bounced. And I was just thinking to myself, huh, how that did happen? And they did stay. <laughs> what was that going to look like? Yeah, yeah. And that was all from inviting uh, a few biker uh, stunt riders to come out, you know, and he's like, I'll invite my crew. <laughs> he rolls That's deep. That's it. I was going to say, like, I mean, props to them for having like that much of a community support. Like, I would love right? to see that in drifting where it's like you invite one or two people and like 50, 60 extra cars show up to your event. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, cool. I'll take it. Like, go sit in the stands. Go enjoy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's been so many things with uh, with doing Hot Pit, man. It wasn't originally supposed to be this big. It was meant to just be like, hey, let's go have some fun. 
unfortunately, uh, Drift League took a break here in, in SoCal. And I was like, man, there's no way there cannot not be some type of drifting sanction body here. And so it's just perfect time for me to take it over. And, yeah. uh, and just there, there's been so many small things that have occurred and, and tried to do. And, you know, I'm trying to replicate a smaller Formula D that's local where guys can spend less money and have fun with it. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things that I was surprised that worked out and I really was not sure, but I told all the drivers for last year, I'm like, hey, we're going to have an autograph session. You know, and, you know, there's 13 or 15 uh, Formula D drivers that show up to most of our rounds. There's about five pro and then the rest of pro spec. But they're like, yeah, let's do it. And then all the guys below that are like, Jeff, nobody wants our autograph. We're just pro-am dudes, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, so I have to really feed to these guys the dream. And I'm like, bro, we're going to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Like, you guys are stars. You just don't know it. Uh, we're gonna feed it to them like we're stars. We're gonna, we're gonna all line up, take this photo for round four with the models and everything. I, I got the models to come out on track with all the drivers. Took this badass photo, and uh, oh, actually got it around here somewhere. I don't know if you see it back there, but anyways, had this photo happen, printed out five hundred flyers, and then when it was day of for round five, I'm like, all right, guys, during the uh, halftime break, we're doing this. So half the guys are scared. You know, Kyle and Rome, they're down with it. Um, All those guys are totally fine. The dudes that were scared, I'm like, listen, I'm going to put on my suit. I'm not driving, but I'm going to put on my suit. I'm going to put on my hat. We're going to walk as a full team. All 40 of us are going to go from the pit area and then all walk to the front at one time. Because at FD, we trickle in. It's like whatever. But the hype's already there. You've already got. You know, a whole line line up. Yeah. 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 And so I had my buddies go set up all the, the tables and chairs. And you got all these nervous drivers. and But we literally walk up as a team. And we're like hollering at people. Yo, we're going to go do the autograph session. Meet us over here. And um, so you just see this squad of drivers in their suits roll up. And the whole crowd's like, oh, what's happening? You know? When we go sit down. the music. Yeah. We sit <laughs> down, dun, dun, dun. Oh, we grab the models on the way. So now the models are walking with us. Yeah, bro. There should have been flames behind us. Bald eagles, everything. <laughs> it was amazing. We go sit down and I, oh, so I even, dude, I'm strategic on a lot of things. I told him, I was like, yo, get all of your crew in line to get our autographs. Cause if this fails, at least it'll look cool. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, so maybe the first like five to 20 people may have been crew or not. I don't know all of their crew, so it's hard to say, but yeah, me and Rome and Kyle sat there, the models, everyone sat down and the line just built. And I was like, holy smoke. So as people are coming, I'm like, who are you here with? Like, oh, I just came with the car show. You guys are rad. Love, love watching you guys. I'm just like, holy smokes, these are the fans. These are not, you know, the people that I asked to get in line to make this work. And dude, the the drivers were so happy. They're like, Jeff, that was the first time I've ever signed an autograph. That was so cool. Thanks for making that happen. Like, I was nervous to come up here. I'm like, you were nervous to sign an autograph. We're drifting our cars up against these walls. We're, you know, having a blast. You're nervous to sign an autograph. I love it. You know, but that was one of the proud moments of uh, of Hot Pit that I was really stoked to bring to these smaller drivers. That that like teaching drivers the etiquette and the infrastructure and and everything going on beyond the track thing is like something that I I so near and dear to me. Where I I feel like it's my obligation to inform young like young drivers right? or up and coming drivers as much as possible to be like, listen, like this is such a sm- like you driving that's great, incredible. That is such a small part to what you need to understand 
if you want to make it, you know, even, even into prospect, like mm-hmm. I, I really do wish there was a, a better way to just teach drivers. Like, I don't, I don't know how you do it. An online course, like I don't really want somebody to monetize it, make money off it and like exploit people or anything. But like, I just wish there was something where we could be like, this is how you build a sponsorship deck. This is how you need to communicate. This is how, like, this is what you need to send a sponsor when the event is over. Like so, the amount of drivers I've spoke to that don't know that. that exactly. Like, it, it's, but you know, I feel like a lot of them do know that now versus like, man, I didn't know any of that when I started. <laughs> like, cause the right there, we didn't, Facebook yeah. was barely a thing. Instagram was not a thing. Um, YouTube was not the most popular thing yet. I'm still from the Fire Street days. Um, yeah, dating, bro, dating. Uh, I keep drinking Doc. Have fun. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> uh, dating myself hard. But so that's a big part of why I know the the best way to escalate the sport to make Formula D bigger is to create a bigger base. As long as there are more drifters on the ground. Formula D itself will be get bigger, like as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. The big ass pyramid. Um, so what I do for Hot Pit is we have Discord meetings and I literally show these guys my deck and I go through it and I tell them, this is what works. This is what didn't work. Um, what I think you guys are worth here at Hot Pit, right? Like I feel like every one of you guys should be running out and asking like 10 grand for your door. And dude, I don't mind talking numbers. So yeah. go ask for 10 grand for your door. Go ask for like, 200 to 500 dollars for your side skirt you know that's like the base that's what yeah. you're worth what you put on top of that on social media um you know on your youtube content that's that's the escalate that's the bonus stuff but these guys like where do i even start do i go ask for 100 grand i'm like no no don't yeah, easy, go ask easy. for 100 grand go ask for yeah. something realistic you don't know the company go ask for a discount bro be proud to buy their parts and run their parts. And if you already have the part, let them know, hey man, I've been rocking your parts for a long time. Would love to rock a sticker, build that working relationship, and yeah. then hit them with something the next year, right? Build the foundation. So with Hot Pit, I've been lucky enough to have a good group of guys that want to listen to me ramble on. And um, some of them soak it up and it's really cool. Like I'll have one on meetings with some of these dudes. We'll go over their deck, figure out some sales points of what looks good. You know, one of the common things that I see that I always hate are really badass pictures of cars in the desert. Mm. Like, this is what you want to send to a sponsor? Like, like, yeah, dude, look at this angle I got. Look at this smoke I got. Like, sweet. Let me show you my deck. Mm-hmm. Always send a picture with a crowd behind the car. People. Always yeah. show them a return. Like, bro, if you're sending them something with your car in the desert with no one there, why am I going to give you money? Yeah. I don't know. That's just my thoughts. You know, hopefully this uh, helps the rest of the world that's listening to this podcast because, you know, that's just a quick tip on how that can work. But no, for Hot Pit, I go through the whole thing, man. We try to go through suspension. We've had a few things where we've talked to drivers about it. And then when we do our driver's meetings, kind of the same thing. Unfortunately, at FD, right, we're all the best of the best. So you can't really have that from the top down kind of thing. But when it comes to Hot Pit, at least I've got other FD drivers there with me. And we're trying to like kind of all as one big unit talk about, hey, what's the best wheel speed for this track today? You know, are you guys doing your tire, uh, you know, correcting your tire camber to make sure that that's getting the best wear pattern? So we're, we're kind of a, a bigger unit trying to push everyone forward to, I don't know, have quicker growth, I guess you could say. So I'm all about the passion of what you just said, making sure that the newer generation knows what's up. 
how to do it better? Well, I think it, it'll sh- like it already does show in, in seeing drivers that have come out of those programs. Like that's, you know, you can go back and take a look at, at essentially any pro-am program the last 15 years, whatever. Um, the ones that, that provide education and the ones that provide like promote certain values in, in the way that they're conducting their program, like their, their events and the way that they handle their drivers. Those are the drivers that move on and become pro or or pro spec or whatever. Like there's a direct correlation. Like I don't have to mm-hmm. run through all of them, but like you can see it and you can see it early and you're like, Oh, this is how you're handling things. Like you're changing the track layout every single round. So they're having to adapt or you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing these things with timelines or whatever. You can almost predict when you look at a program that there's going to be a pro driver that comes out of it in, in three, four or five years. Yeah. So, there's definitely programs that have worked that have been like, I don't know, let's call them three rounds or four rounds. Um, you know, I would love to do more rounds, but it's just kind of expensive and has a toll on everyone. Yeah. But uh, me, JTP, uh, Matt Powers, um, a few of us all came from that same timeline of, uh, of Top Drift, Just Drift. Yeah. Man, back then, I think we were doing like six or seven um, events. That was like our rounds were, I think, I think we're up to seven at one point. And then we had to go to... Um, Pro-Am Nationals in Laughlin, right? Yep. To go battle it against ex-pro FD drivers to get a license. Like it was a much harder field back then. Uh, but I think that's what shows the sustainability of certain drivers and why a lot of us were able to stay in for so long. You know, it's, we we knew how yeah. to educate ourselves and do that that way. I, I feel like a, a broken record because I've made it like clear so many times. Like that's part of my frustration with shootouts. Oh, shootouts is, are shit. Is, they're shit. They're okay, dog cool. shit. Stop doing them. You said it. <laughs> if you're doing freaking shootouts, bro, I'm sorry. Um, I don't want to say you're, it's a cash grab because there's some good, honest people that are trying to do these for the right reasons. Yeah. But why? I mean, if you want a shootout, are you ready to spend 50 grand to go get your ass kicked by everyone I, else in ProSpec? Are you ready to go spend 100 grand plus to go get your ass kicked by us? Right? <laughs> I mean, dude... It, yeah, it it just it doesn't educate attrition. Like it it doesn't it doesn't teach you how to have a team that that you can manage over that period of time. It mm-hmm. doesn't like are you a good driver if you win a, a shootout? More than likely. Yeah, like, more, than, more likely. than likely you're a phenomenal driver because you just beat out 64 people or whatever. Oh, no, no, no. So you see so you just said it. 64 people. That's a good shootout. There are right. shootouts that have less than 16 attendees. Right. That right. is just Who's ever, you know, that's nothing. It should, it should be in my, like, in my opinion, if you're winning, if you're winning a license to run in pro spec, it should be at least 32. You should have to have battled through a full field because if you want to do well in pro spec, you have to do the same. How about it has to be a minimum of 32 drivers on a two day event? Minimum. And you got to get the most points out of two days or something like that. Right. You got to go there two competitions, Saturday, Sunday, whatever. Minimum 32 drivers both days, and you got to come out on top both days. Because that way, it, then you're not having the one lucky day, yeah. right? Um, yeah. As I say, I think the only person- Or the one like, unlucky day. Yeah, or the one unlucky day. I was, I was yeah. thinking like in the COVID year, Vaughn won Irwindale twice. I forget where he won twice. Yeah. He was crushing it somewhere. Very rare. Yeah. Very rare. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, uh, shootouts are shit. You're welcome. I like 
I like I like the idea of a shootout in in the in the cash format. Like, because yeah. it, 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 it kind of feels like gambling to me where it's That's like, cool, totally anybody fine. can Just go don't do give it. an FD license for it. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. If you want to have a one-off, on like, just uh, cash payout day, Perfect. totally down with that. Yeah. But don't think that you're going to become an FD driver because you want a shootout. I want to, I want someone to like run the stats for me and either prove me right or wrong. Cause maybe, maybe we're wrong in this. Maybe that there are drivers that have won shootouts that are, have progressed and are doing incredibly well, but I would love to know drivers that have gotten their pro spec license in a shootout and where they are now. Yeah. Well, there's so much more to that, right? Like were they doing a bunch of other events and they just happened to get their license through that. And this is like the one, this is like the one part of me that struggles with the shootout thing is like, there are drivers that live in areas where it is very, very difficult to compete in four rounds. Like it is not, which then I kind of go back and I'm like, well, if you're going to run in prospect, they're all over the country. So that yep. shouldn't be an excuse, but there are, there are drivers who have been unlucky, have had really nasty situations happen. And this is like their, you know, their one shot to like do it. And then they did it. Like, I know that there's a case where that's happened, right? Where for whatever reason, their series, they had an issue with, they couldn't get it. And then mm-hmm. they want to shoot out and they got their license. And there's plenty of guys that win it and don't take it, don't use their yeah. license. You know? Lots of lots of people holding on to it. So Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's yeah. helping or hurting this scene. I mean, I you know, know, when I speak to Kevin Wells and you're like, Oh, you got like a hundred prospect licensed drivers this year? How many are coming in? You know? I feel like they're all kind of coming in and then they're like, Oh, it costs how much? Oh, I gotta buy tires. Oh, I, I gotta do this. Then it dwindles down real quick. How how much, how much do you think, because I know you don't mind talking numbers, how much money do you think you need to have in your bank account to run ProSpec? Like, I don't even, I don't even care if it's like at the top tier, like just to get by. Oh, um, you know, I mean, you're probably, depending on where you live in the country, right? Because that's going to have a variable. But yeah. uh, you're probably spending at least five grand around at the minimum, you know? Because yeah. unfortunately, they got to buy the tires, right? And we're already assuming that you own the car. You own a truck and trailer, right? We're just talking, what's it cost you to get there and get home? Now, realistically, on that two days, maybe you only spent two grand. But like, mm-hmm. let's look at the parts that you had to buy. Let's look at the friends that took off their days of work. Let's start like looking at those things where money was spent that you didn't think about, right? Because you took off time from work, add that to the budget. It's not money spent, but it's not money earned. Yeah. Right? So, so there's a lot of, lot of things right there. Look at money not earned. Look at money you know, from your friends not earned, you know, these guys probably took an Uber to get to the airport, you know? Yeah. yeah. There's, there's all kinds of, money. yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Never fly spirit. Hate you, spirit. Hate you. Hate you. The, the passion. I don't ever use the word hate for a lot of things. Spirit, like, you know what you're doing to people, bro. You know what you're doing to people and you need to stop. Frontier is not much better. But no, I know they're saying. just the, they're just the, uh, what do you call it? Like the sister company of spirit. Yeah. Bro. God, they suck so bad. If you've ever debated to yourself, if it's worth saving $100, it is not. They will get you at the gate on your baggage. I did shop a flight recently. I can't say where, but uh, between Delta and Spirit. And once I like adjusted for everything else, it was actually cheaper to fly Delta. Oh yeah, like, I guarantee it. I mean, it's out of Detroit, but like Detroit's a hub for both Delta and Spirit. So sure. like- you know, I get both ends of uh, ends of that. Yeah, no, uh, hate that. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to kind of go back to that topic. I just kind of forget where we were on it. No, it's all good. Um, it's all good. But yeah, no, it's, uh, these guys, man, not ready to spend the money. Go get their ass kicked. That was yeah. another reason why. What 
the thought process of Hot Pit was, um, and why I like seeing these other events where it's uh, just for cash battles. Mm-hmm. I think five years ago, maybe just three years ago, probably three, you didn't have as many pro drivers coming down to the lower competitions. Yeah, You kind of had two things. I don't know if it was pride or if it was some sanctioning bodies holding them back saying, oh, you're not allowed to drive because you're either too good. We're giving away a license. People don't want you here because you're going to take away a license. Or if it was just pride and people didn't want to get their ass handed to them by some local kid. Right. Which did happen. It, on oh, numerous yeah. occasions. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure Forrest will be mad for me bringing it up. But, you know, you know, Nick kicked his ass in Hot Pit. So there's Forrest Wang. He's Mr. Badass. But again, they were, they were one and two. They were, it would have, yeah. you know, one more battle and Forrest would have probably won it. But this happens all across the country. And I competed in XDC. I dropped down from, I didn't drop down. I did pro and pro, um, pro two at the same time two. for, um, why do it? I did it for three years. That's where most of these trophies behind me came from. That's all pro, uh, pro. It was pro two back then, which I don't yep. think people realize there wasn't a tire rule. So I was able to use my runoffs from pro and do pro two. It was cheaper. It was actually cheaper back then because I was like, I'm already here. It's literally just two grand to sign up, right? My whole team's already here. Why not get more laps? Why not get more runs? If I get my ass kicked in, in pro, well, I'm still sitting on a set of tires here. Let's go use these suckers. Man, getting my ass kicked by all the rest of the pro guy, pro two guys and winning trophies, the amount of uh, self-esteem that I grew from that, you know, the amount of uh, momentum I gained from that really helped my pro career. So swallowing my pride, allowing myself to get my ass kicked and kicked their asses at the same time really helped some momentum in that. Oh, and by the way, that's how I met Doc. I got a podium in Orlando. And the dude emails me. He's like, hey, Jeff Jones, uh, just saw you get a podium over here. Are you interested in a sponsorship? And I was like, how do I reply? Fuck yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> Super quick. And so I was like, so I luckily I like told my brother who helped me do most of my marketing at the time, most of my conversations with sponsors. Like, Greg, Answer this professionally. <laughs> and then, you know, that went from like getting a 18 pack of soda to, to becoming a primary sponsor, a title sponsor for multiple years. But taking that step back really helped me build a better foundation to mm-hmm. take steps forward. Because if I had just stayed in pro, getting my ass handed to me, you know, only doing practice, getting my ass handed to me by freaking die or Forsberg every, you know, time I'd go out, I would have never built any momentum. So yeah, all of these, where I was going with that, sorry, I ramble on. No, uh, where fine. I was going with that is I love seeing that there are now more places for pro, top pro guys and swallowing their pride if it is that, or just like, it's more okay now to go to these local comps, right? Because you had clutch kickers. That was a big payout and that was really rad. Um, the LZ tour is, I don't know if that's lower. That's like a pretty big thing. It seems like a lot of badass drivers having fun. Uh, mm-hmm. but you know, there's things across the country where there's more pro drivers driving. And I feel like that's pretty rad. You know, I know Vaughn's probably not showing up to most of them because it's so much to spend, you know, for his rigs. He's probably not jumping in some crappy car, but it's cool to see Chelsea, right? Running that, um, yeah. what was that? Like 235 class in Jersey. Yeah. <clears throat> that was rad. So I'm, I'm a big fan of seeing the camaraderie of 
pro drivers stepping down, having fun with the local boys in competition form so that these guys can go have fun and only spend thousand bucks to, you know, party with us. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's important and it gives drivers coming up to you like a realistic meter to judge against where it's like, oh, this is, these, these are, you know, at, at one point in time, the best in the world, arguably still are like they could jump back in at any time and compete and be fine. And I get to drive against them. And like, the only way you get better is by driving or competing against somebody who's better than you. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. that's it. And so for those people coming up, it's it's great. And then, you know, for you guys, it's a less stressful environment to just get in reps and also drive against, you know, either up and coming driving styles or chassis that you don't normally compete against or just like drivers who are doing something that's different. And you're like, oh, I've never seen a guy initiate like this before. I've never had to compete against a guy that mm-hmm. does this type of initiation. Okay, now I'm learning something. Running so. that type of confidence is different. And then- yeah, there yeah, there's it's yeah, it's like a drunken confidence, right? When you get these these guys who are like trying to make something of themselves and they're like, here's my chance. Like I get to go against Jeff Jones. I'm just gonna adore the guy the whole way. Cause when else am I going to do that? Mm-hmm. Right. For better or for worse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. for, for what you did just say, I'm a big believer in, dude, always run with people that are better than you. Find yeah. the people in the room that are smarter, make more money, uh, believe and push harder in life. That will help you grow. Whether it's drifting, freaking bowling, making money, um, just happiness, spiritual belief, whatever it is, run with the dudes that are just pushing harder. That's going to make you run faster. I've always been a believer yeah. in that, man. If you're hanging out, you know, with all the boys on the couch at home and, you know, maybe you're the best one of that group. I'm sorry to say it, but you might need to leave that room. Let those guys stay behind. I've got a lot of friends I wish I could bring with me, but, you know, there's always those dudes who are talking about, oh, I'll go to the next one. I'll go to the next one, you know, and you're waiting for that yeah. guy to get to the track. That dude's holding you back, man. I'm sorry. They're your old friends, but they're holding you back. So, Pick and choose the ones that are going to help you the best. I, dude, I got long-term friends from way back in the day that are still with me. But there are also those that you just have to say, all right, dude, I'll see you when it's like family time. Right now, I got to like push my business, push my lifestyle to be better. So whatever that is, whether it's drifting, if you're a drifter, or if you're just someone who's listening to this podcast, bro, yeah, um, push your life to do better. Yeah, if someone's like, I, I, this is a blanket statement, it shouldn't be, but like if someone's like, hey man, you've changed. There's a good chance that's a good oh, hell sign. Yeah, that you're, we've all you're changed, man. Yeah, like, yeah, it's you know, you get a different I'm, I'm career right every several years, right? My uncle says you uh, you change career paths like every seven years. Um, I, your 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 mentality, your your mannerisms, your you know your thought process, and you know wealth is going to change things. You know, yeah. Um, I've definitely got more money now than, of course, when I first started this off. But I'm still <laughs> one thing. I, I'm still pretty cheap on a lot of stuff. <laughs> I think that's how I've been able to save some money, dude. I was the freaking brokest kid on Sesame Street when I started this off. Um, there's probably a lot of guys listening or, or that see my rig and um, think, damn, Jeff's got it going. Bro, I was brokest kid on Sesame Street on day one. We used to drive our freaking race cars to the track, you know, drive them home, all yeah. busted. Um, but, you know, ran with some bigger people and made it happen. You know, got into FD and saw everyone else charging hard. That leads me to a, a very interesting question, um, which is how many Vienna sausages does it take to get from California to Florida? Uh, at least 12 cans. I don't know how many are in each can. Thanks, Buddy. Curtis. 
actually that wasn't Curtis, but uh, I did uh, without that, like providing too much inside baseball. You had a photo of Vienna sausages way back in your Facebook profile, and then I bounced that through somebody else and confirmed that. This yeah, is still an I was on a low enjoyment. carb diet. I was on a low carb diet. You know, I was trying to get rid of the fat. Yeah, worked out pretty well. Uh, Vienna yep. sausage cracker here and there, but so Vienna sausage, some tapatio, some little pepper. Yeah, choice. I will. I will try that. I will. <laughs> I will. I will take your word for it. But I will. I will definitely give that a go. Yeah, yeah. drain the juice first. Yeah, you don't. You don't do anything with the juice. You don't like no. mix it with Doc or anything. Nah. <laughs> drain the juice. Pour some tapatio in there. Oh man, of all the of all the things to get into, canned Vienna yeah. sausages. Yeah, why not? Who are you I, talking I, about I Vienna sausage on here? <laughs> I, I I just worry now that people are going to start showing up to your pits with cans of Vienna sausage for you to sign. That's fine. Oh, I was going to say I'll keep it free food. <laughs> yeah, I'll sign Sorry, some Vienna guys. sausage, bro. All right. That's that's everybody's mission now. If you're a big Jeff Jones fan, you know I want to see it by by Long Beach. I want I want photos. No way. Bring me beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's harder to get into the event than it is if you had a can of Vienna uh, sausage. It's totally true. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Be yeah. creative. Be creative. Be creative. Yeah. Just the shell. It's a like it's a can of Vienna sausage. But you open it up, and there's a beer inside. Right. Who Shouldn't knows? be giving people these ideas. <laughs> oh, sorry. Why not? Well, it's that's, like uh, what is it? Uh, Gabriel Iglesias. Everyone brings him cake. Mm. Yeah. Hey, it, I mean, it worked out for him. I, <laughs> I, though I'm, I'm sure it added on some weight, but <laughs> yeah, why not? It's kind of his jam. Uh, fan, so fan question. Might as well get into a few of those. Sure. Uh, why the racing number changed from 29 to 55 to 818? Um, well, I don't think I was ever 25. I think uh, this is a way deep cut. Hmm. I don't think I was 25. Uh, 29 was 29. given to me by Formula D. Okay. Uh, didn't pick 29? 29 to 55 to 818 is what I have. Uh, huh. I wonder if I ever had 55. I don't even remember that number. So I know when I got in Formula D, they asked you what number you want. You got to pick uh, like four numbers, you know, preference to whatever. Um, I think I probably picked double zero. That was my dad's demolition derby number. Oh, and I guess I didn't get that one. And I ended up getting 29. I don't know if anyone had double zero or if it just wasn't a number. Uh, so had that for several years. And then my buddy, uh, Calvin Ariola, who I used to drift with in the mountains all back in the day, uh, he finally got into Formula D and then he got 818. And I was like, what the heck? We could have picked three numbers? He's like, I guess. I put it on there and I got it. I'm like, sick. Well, he freaking wrecks like every round, which is hilarious. Love that guy. Drives a little Corolla now. Well, still. Um, so he retires out of FD. And I'm like, well, I'm still on the number, bro. We're representing. So to my knowledge, I've only been 29 and 818. I don't remember All 55 right. in there. Unless that was the dark ages. There was that one dark year. Mm, there was the one dark year. Yeah, the uh, the FD that I drove. Right, which as a diehard FD fan, like it, it hurts me to see that car get hurt. But like, was it that tough of a car to drive? Um, I had that car all wrong. That's why I called it the dark years. Mm. I um I did the mistake that every noob does when they get an FD. You get your FD license. You run your the new car. You yeah. Well, my first year, I ran my homegrown car and did fine. I did okay, right? I uh, made top sixteen immediately. I uh, almost beat Sammy Hubinet. You know, throughout the whole year, I was doing okay. And then the next year, it's like, all right, let's build a badass car. I built an FD. 
had the Ackerman like way wrong, cut knuckles. My dumb ass was thinking if on a rear rack, you move them out on a front rack, you move them in then. Nope. <laughs> nope. <sighs> it wasn't until like later in the year where Pfeiffer looks at my car and he's like, the hell Jonesy. <laughs> That's a good fight. <laughs> cut your, or, uh, well, he said, uh, just for, oh, we were in Washington. He's like, for today, just tow your car out like two inches. And I did it and it helped. It worked. Um, but yeah, that was just terrible. Ackerman just makes your car go, if you know what I'm saying, it's doing this. Yeah. Uh, that was bad. What else? Uh, engine blew up. There's a three rotor. It's a three rotor turbo rotary. All kinds of just rotary issues there. I think we went through two motors, one transmission, W58. We made a, uh, we made a adapter plate to go from the rotary bell housing to the R154, but we made it perfect. Perfect. We didn't make any room for heat expansion. So when it heat expanded just by idling and going to the track and running, literally the shaft had grown and pushed the rotary engine like shafts, the centric shaft forward, and then burnt up the whole, you know, all the rotary seals inside there. Uh, I didn't like each other. They were like fighting because we literally mm. made it freaking like touching. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. There's so many dumb things I did that year. That's, that's didn't so know funny. what I was doing. It's like, so yeah. You like crank, you somehow crank walked a rotary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and yeah, that's the mistake that I feel like everyone does. They get into FD and then build a new car immediately. And then it sucks. Like, oh, you should have just ran your... Look at Rome. Crushing it. Yeah. Been in that car forever. That thing's freaking hit so many walls, but still going. Yeah. He's... Yeah. I wonder what his he got a sponsor new one? is. I know he's... <laughs> I know he's got the... Was it the 92 that like... I don't know if he's bringing that to, to Pro or if I'm blowing up a spot with that, but I know he's doing a lot more in that chassis. He's got some stuff he's working on. Uh, he's been running it around town, so I think people know about it, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's public. I just don't like. I don't know if he's bringing it to pro or not, or I don't know. Yeah, I'd love to know. I mean, that's that's let's get the rumor mill. Let's get it turned. Yeah, in, yeah. Right? rumor mill, bro. He's on RTR. RTR. Oh, God, yeah. Look, I want to know right in the comments right now if you're coming to one of the events. If you are, drop a comment and uh, let me know if you use the promo code FD Podcast to check out save you a couple of dollars. Oh no, drive the comments up. You guys don't comment enough. I don't know if you knew this, but I'm in there all the time. And if I start seeing all these. That's uh, that's only good for me. Makes the FD, you know, the higher ups, the the, the grand poobahs happy when you use FD podcast at checkout. They're a little happy. I mean, you know, they're not they're not making as much money, but they're fine with it because they know you guys actually listen, and you and and you do the things that I ask you to do. So, if you're buying a ticket, take a couple seconds. FD podcast at checkout, save a couple bucks, and uh, yeah, at the end of the year, they go, hey, you sold a ticket. So, see you guys out there. There you I, go. I love it. I love the rumor mill. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Like just, why not? Let's just get conversations going. Let's just talk about yeah, the sport. I don't care it's, what it's about. It's just like, rumors. Why not? Off season yeah. conversation. We need more of it. hundred percent. We do. Someone mm -hmm. just needs to make like a, I mean, we had like formula derp and like those, but they weren't rumor mills. They're just like needlessly shitting on people. Yeah. But like, we just need somebody who can like just document like every rumor that's going on and find ridiculous information to do yeah, it. Yeah. I think like, that's you, bro. Pretty sure that's Dude, you. I have too much inside knowledge. That's the problem. Like I, I, that's, that's honestly the issue is I just, I know too much to do. Yeah. Yeah. You'd right? be like lying. Like, well, it was like, yeah, I would have to like lie to hold back facts. Like the James Dean thing. Like I had heard rumors of James Dean going to RTR months before it got announced. 
you know, just through people in the industry, never had anything confirmed. And then there's the video that comes out where Vaughn's talking about things and you can clearly tell that the car is right-hand drive, mm -hmm. right? Like if you knew what to look for in that video, he basically shows you there's a, there's a seat on the right-hand side. You can see the punch out for where the steering sure. shaft is coming through. Like he's like, oh, we got to flip this over. Like he basically handed it on a silver platter. James Dean had posted some stuff that like more or less hinted at it, but I'm like, cool. Do I make a post about that? But like, I was new to my position. I'm yeah. not just going to spoil this like cool opportunity because I want to spoil the fact that James Dean's coming over. Like Exactly. And there's a lot of us yeah. just as drivers, we know each other and talk and it's like, we see someone post up something on social media and you know, you could blow it out of the water, but all right. Yeah. Can't say nothing. <laughs> yeah. I like, I, I made tease. a video. I made a video on TikTok about like, you know, Steph Papadakis and, and like possibly new engine going in Turk's car. Like, all the infos there, all I did was talk about public information. I didn't say what the engine could be, but like, even still, I made that and I'm like, this could probably get me in a bunch of shit. <laughs> like, like, but it's, it's all public. I don't know. I don't know. I definitely, I want to be that person, but I also should not be that person. Yeah. I'm a fan of rumors. Uh, I'm actually a fan of derp, just not when they're shitting on people individually, you know? Like there yeah. was a hot pit derp for a while and I thought that was cool. I was with it, but then they started picking on drivers specifically and i was like that's a dick like move that. right like if you're trying yeah. to crush someone's career or something or like emotionally like you know you could shit on the sanction body i feel like you know yeah, or like a small funny goofy scenario. things you know yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of things that you can be playful on and that's fine yeah, yeah. like yeah i i 100 but like just needlessly getting people in trouble or trying to like hurt somebody's career i don't i don't Exactly. I mean, that, that's different. That's attack. Like, like being funny is one thing, but like deliberately attacking somebody is that's that's where I draw the line. Yeah, I think I kind of. Uh, I mean, I know I've been part of some dirt posts, just having fun, and I'm with it. I, yeah. I enjoy them. You know, I'm probably a bit of a derper myself, just on my own page, calling people out and doing things. <laughs> Seems fine, but you know, I call out my friends. I don't care. I feel like I haven't made it yet because I haven't hit derp yet. Like, I feel like that's the day that I know, like, I'm going to say something stupid. You know, I say enough stupid stuff. You, you talk long enough, you're going to say dumb things. Oh, um, I, I, I always say dumb out. things, bro. <laughs> like, that's just, come on. That's how I, I feel like most people knew me with that stupid Edelbrock saying. <laughs> Speaking of, you never brought it to the podium and I'm actually a little sour about that. Uh, you know, me too. Uh, I'm not sponsored by Harrop. I paid for that thing. So, and Edelbrock let me go after the whole comp merger. So, right. you know, they didn't believe in my program afterwards. And so that's why they literally gave me a, um, the guy, the original guys, marketing guys gave me a spare, uh, supercharger because like they shell. saw the momentum. They were like, dude, you're yeah. going to do it. We know you're going to do it. Hell yeah. It's going to be great. And yeah. then, uh, that's when I got fourth place, like twice that year. Yeah. And we were so close and we had it ready. You know what? I was like, man, this thing is a freaking curse. I don't know. And then, uh, and then the whole like merger happened and, you know, they went a different way and uh, they're like, oh, well, you know, we're getting better value over here than paying you what we're paying you now. So we're not going to do that anymore. And I'm like, all right, if you don't see what I'm worth, that's totally fine, dude. Like mm -hmm. I played that bottom of the barrel game for a long time. I'm not that anymore. So yeah. I'm like, peace. And then, um, yeah, dude, I uh, called up Harrop. Like, hey, like, I think I got like tax off from that thing. So I paid it outright. So when I won, the crew's like, are we taking this thing off? I'm like, nah. In hindsight, because it was raining, 
I didn't know we had so much time. <laughs> Bro, we were sitting on the freaking side of the podium and it's a championship I, podium too. So yeah. like we could have went and got beers. Someone could have brought a cooler. Like there could have been a whole tailgate party off the side of that. But it was our first podium right there. And we're like all amped up and excited. And it's not like a prospect pro two trophy thing. Those kind of fly by the pro ones seem like they linger on a lot longer. And yeah, mm. so we could have probably done it for sure and brought it up there, but yeah. Next Maybe time. if Harrop gives me a free supercharger, somebody else wants to kick one down. I'll, I'll make that happen again. I'll make that happen again. Supercharger yeah. will come up to the podium and I'll say something right. stupid. <laughs> promise? Promise. 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 All right. Oh, I don't Sick. have to promise say something stupid. That happens pretty naturally. Yeah. No, I, I bring the supercharger up. They give me one. Sure. Uh, one of the fans wants to know, uh, can you still rock a handstand? And if so, why don't we see it more often? Oh my God. Cause I'm fat now. It's so like, I'm, <laughs> I'm older. There was a year where we were traveling the country and we're just like, you know what? Everyone just takes photos. Let's take a photo doing a handstand. And so we were doing that for a while. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll try it. Request them when I'm traveling the country. Cause I'm like bored in my truck driving across. I'll, I'll try to, uh, whip myself upside down here and there. I would say a handstand in every state. That's that would right? be my, my yeah. call to action. Yeah, call to action. Yeah. Or if you're ever in Australia, you have to do one there and be like, you know, there's like that whole upside down thing. <laughs> I get you. I yeah, get you. Yeah, yeah. Low hanging fruit on that joke. Um, are we ever going to see the middle finger shirt come back? Mm, I don't think FD likes that one. I like that one. No, Jeff Jones is I, number one. Yeah. Number one in my heart, too. <laughs> uh, I believe I have like two of them, maybe still, but okay. I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to do a reprint on those. Um, yeah, I uh, <laughs> just collector's items now. I, yeah, exactly. I was, we were at Irwindale and I like wore it under my suit and I busted it open like this. And then I hear over the loudspeaker, Jarrett DeAnd is like, Jeff Jones, this is a family event. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sometimes good ideas are stupid ideas and I just don't think them through. Um, will you ever release what Kristoff said to you in Atlanta when you guys almost got into a fist fight? <sighs> I don't even know where that video's at, bro. I don't I, know. If I, 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 that, that, that one comes from me. That's not even a fan one. That is like <laughs> one of those moments where I think like the dub said, like, I ain't afraid of no ghost or something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God. That's one ghost you need to be afraid of. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, I mean, we've hashed it out since then, but I'm not afraid to brawl with anybody, bro. So, you know, I grew up in the valley. I grew up in a rough area. <laughs> you know, I got two <laughs> older brothers. So oh, okay. either kicking yeah. ass or getting my ass kicked isn't a problem. So when he came into my tent, like we had both just, you know, came to a wreck, you know, like I had just followed James Dean and, and um, Osbo and we were hauling ass through there. And so I'm yeah. following him and he's got the reputation of being fast. So I freaking flying in there and for whatever reason, he lifted a little bit and boom, cars came to a halt. He was pissed. He was pretty pissed. Came into my tent to have some words and I don't think he was ready to have some words back. <laughs> the funniest thing is though, he came in on a scooter. Yeah. So like he came in and yelled at me and I talked some shit back and then he got on his scooter and scooted off. <laughs> and then... I like, I didn't even care and think about it, <laughs> but some of my friends were like, did he legit just come and cuss us out and then ride off on a scooter? It's 
It's kind of hard to take you seriously. <laughs> when you, you leave on a scooter. <laughs> yeah, it was good times. Uh, yeah, no, we're chill uh, now. But yeah, I don't know if I yeah, had a video. I don't know what it was. It definitely made it somewhere. It, I mean, I remember watching it over and over again, going like, "Oh wow!" Like that's that's a thing that like there's so many of those moments like that just people don't know about. Like obviously the hood pin gate or whatever you want to call it, Denofi's like Denofa Stuki thing. Like that one blew up, but like. Things like that happen more regularly than I think a lot of people know. Oh yeah, we all have words with each other. They just oh yeah, they pass pretty quick though. You know, I think most yeah. of us are fine. Probably an hour later, you know, you're heated in the moment. You know, yeah. you're, you're never happy to lose, and especially if it's a judge sport, like you don't know if it was a fair call. You're assuming it's not, and that driver makes what you think is a mistake that then you make a mistake because of their mistake. And then you got the loss because you made that mistake, but the judges didn't see their mistake. So in your head, you're like, bro, screw you. You did this and it screwed me. So that's what's like running through your head. Mm -hmm. And then an hour later, you're like, that was fun, right? (laughs) (laughs) Who cares? Yeah. It's at the end of the day, like you're all there putting everything in. Like it's such a high stress, high risk environment that like it's going to happen. Yeah. It's just, it's gonna happen. I don't. I don't think I get nearly as stressed now as I used to, man. There's yeah. uh that yeah the stress game when you first start in FT, uh even just pro am that's rough. Uh, well, it's everything at that point. Like it's it's you've got everything invested, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas like now, like not that I'd ever want you to like walk away from the sport, but like you could you kind of walk away and be like, all right, yeah, I'm done. Like it's it's it's. Not that it's not everything still, but like it's it's different. Oh, no, other it, things in your life. I, I I think for me right now it's still everything. Drifting yeah. is it's in a bad addiction with me, bro. It's everything. Well, I would say drifting is, but like FD, like if you had to for whatever reason, like walk away from FD tomorrow, like there's other things in your life that are going on that you're like, okay, I could kind of fill that void. But like, I think just at that pro am level, it seems like it's everything. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Maybe I, like maybe maybe I'm making an assumption, you know, that I shouldn't be. But no, everyone's different, right? You're uh, people. I remember Trent Beecham being lined up next to me. Um, I think it was his first time at Long Beach. Okay, and this was the Long Beach Grand Prix, and yeah. it's this Long Beach Grand Prix, so it's like super relaxed for me. And we go to the back area, and we're about to do our competition. And you know, I think Andy Luck or someone was doing the start line back there for this day. And I just see Trent over there, like just trying to get his helmet on, trying to get his gloves on. I could just see car to car, like he is super stressed. <laughs> you know, it was his first like pro comp because he was in pro spec at the time, but they let him do. Oh, it was like super drift challenge. Super drift or, challenge. Right, yeah, right, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, hey, relax. <laughs> I'm just yelling at him, you know, because I want him to put on a good run and not, not freaking wreck or, you know, just, we want to be boys and have some fun. We're always yeah. talking. So me and him are pretty good buds. So I'm just like yelling at him. Chill out over there. I think he You're broke nervous. something You're too on that nervous. run. Oh, he always You're breaks something. <laughs> what do you mean you think? You know. Just did it affect the run or not? Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. He's he's such an untapped potential. It's crazy. Like, just like I... I I try not to like toot my horn. Like, I feel like I toot my own horn way too much. But like in Utah, like as soon as I saw that last practice session and I said it on the live stream that like, oh, Trent's going to do well. And it's not like he won the event, but like 
he did really well. And it's just, you see it, man. I, I remember when he just was like crushing through people in pro two. And mm-hmm. like, he was the guy, he was the guy everyone was afraid of. And like, you just knew he could drive the hell out of the car. And, you know, he, he came into pro with a, a car that was six, seven years behind. Like it, it was still a solid rear end. So you couldn't dial in that much sure. toe in. And like, you know, that's, that's one of those scenarios. Like you, you want to tell somebody like, Hey, keep the same car you did well in pro two with, but like maybe it wasn't the right call in that yeah. situation. But he yeah, did really I good. Know. I can't speak on behalf of that car and the the suspension. Um, being a competitor, being friends with him, seeing him constantly working on that Mustang yeah. was like, dude, there's no way you're going to have good laps. Like you are just constantly, you know, here at 50%, basically wrenched on this thing, dying, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's tough to, to really go get, I mean, it's, what, you know, I'm thinking while I'm saying that, like some of my best days were my worst days, you know, when everything is against yeah. you, sometimes is when you end up higher on the freaking, you know, down the chain for whatever reason, sometimes it'll just flow perfectly. You get knocked out in 32, but, uh, yeah, no, I was glad to see him switch over to the Beamer and, uh, and really show his talent. Cause that Mustang was holding him back hard. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's going to do well. I know. I don't want to like, He's he's somebody I've been like recently chatting with getting on the show too. Mm-hmm. But like I know there's some struggles that they figured out in Utah. And it was like it was very much an aha moment where he's like, Oh, this is what's been going on. And then they they sorted it and then it just everything opened up at that point. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a force, man. He's definitely like, you know, we we definitely say that like everybody on grid could win at any point in time, but like there's always something, there's some part of the story you guys don't get to tell, or you know, it doesn't make it to the live stream where it's like, this is why this has been going on, right? Mm-hmm. Like Joao Barion, like that's a guy that like, the dude's just been struggling with all these like weird issues, you know, over since he started, right? And like realistically, the dude started basically a stock Corvette. Mm-hmm. Like not a lot of people know that, but like that car was essentially stock when he showed up day one. Was it the best decision? Probably not, but he's developed with that car. And I think once he gets some certain things sorted, like, you're going to see that driver really coming to his own. Yeah. A lot of the guys like him from out of town, you know, they crush it where they're at, but they come over here and sometimes they just come with less than what they need. And, uh, yeah, he's one of those dudes who it's un- unfortunately is getting the bad end of the stick a lot. I was, I was kind of trolling him in, uh, in Irwindale cause he kept coming in on the tow truck and I was yeah. pitted next to him. So I had my phone out. I'm like, oh, this dude's burning up his triple A. <laughs> And I was, you know, when he came in on like the third or fourth time, I was like, bro, what membership do you get? How do you, <laughs> they cut me off at three. Yeah. See, that's good fun. That's good fun. Like you don't mean anything by it. You do feel bad for the guy, but like, you know, there's nothing attacky about it. It's just, that's yeah. the situation, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, it's boys. It's how we have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your Instagram stories are like, if you, if anybody listening doesn't follow you on Instagram, there'll be notes in the show notes. Just, just make sure that you got notifications on during an FD weekend because that shit's hilarious. Yeah, uh, I mean, all of like last year. I mean, if you guys really want to follow me, pay attention to my my stories. Um, yeah. you know, I had one of my buddies kind of like posting up all the just the regular stuff on a daily basis. You know, because like the Instagram monster just needs to keep getting plugged away, right? It's like, goddamn, gotta what, feed that what beast. Cool car photo. Am I gonna put up today? What cool? Just wow, what the hell am I gonna say? I hated doing yeah. that, you know? Like, I naturally want to post maybe once a week, right? I naturally, mm-hmm. like, I, you know, and we're probably just jaded by all the cool stuff we do, 
I'm sure we do a bunch of cool stuff every day. You know, every day I'm like either, I'm actually sitting on my sim rig right now and, you know, every day I'm doing cool laps on this. Every day I'm working on a thousand horsepower car or I'm on some badass concert, but I don't post about it. On the stories, it's so easy because I can just bust out the phone. What up, nerds? I'm over here doing this. There's that. Check this out. That guy sucks. You know, funny things. And it's just easy. I don't got to like write all this stuff, hashtag tag people. Um, But the post thing, I don't know. It's, it's it's difficult it's to to want to do that, you know. And there's I you can definitely liberating. see. Go ahead. I was gonna say there's something liberating about it being gone in 24 hours, <laughs> right? Yeah. Where you're just like ah, whatever. Like I 100 agree. And like I work in marketing and social media. Like I know the importance of it. All right, I, I got to sidetrack. It's what the hell do you do for a living? Yeah, bro. You're always talking about work and the things that you do, but I don't know anything about you. <laughs> I don't want to like. I won't say the companies, but like. It's not hard. You and I can talk after. If if somebody really wants to do it, they can find it. But like my day-to-day job is I run marketing agencies in automotive and motorsports. So like there are a lot of brands surrounding, especially Formula Drift, but a bunch of different motorsports where like the teams that I manage handle their social media, their email campaigns, their digital ads. Like, um, so my job is to oversee the teams that do that. Like I I that's that's what I do every day. Like that's all I think about all day and then in my off hours doing this stuff is promoting motorsports and drifting in particular however I can. Some people pay me to do it. Sometimes I'm paying to do it. Sometimes I'm doing this stuff. I'm doing stuff with other drifting series. Like that's it. Uh, My entire life is eh, for, for all intents and purposes, drifting and how I can make it bigger. Cool, cool. You were talking about like employees and things. I'm like, man, is this guy on a tennis shoe company? He's like got a swim no, house, no. got a brothel. I, <laughs> this guy jump back there, man. No, I, I have my, What's it I look have like my when own... you turn that camera around? <laughs> which is funny. There's like a whole other podcast set up this way too, which is, oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, my, like I own my own agency, which is, is fairly small. There's only a couple of employees. Uh, we work within a very particular niche within motorsports. And then uh, I run another agency which is much bigger. Uh, I want to say 20 employees now that are like kind of answer up to me. Right. And it, it does, it does marketing from, you know, all the way from multi-million dollar brands to much smaller, so, you know, mom and pop shop stuff. Us drifters need to use you more often as a, that's as a, a huge as a conflict of interest, sir. So, is it? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, like, you know, there's, uh, there, I've definitely done work with, with FD drivers. I don't think that's like any secret. There's particular drivers that I've done stuff with. If you, mm-hmm. if you want to find it, you can find it. I won't like put it out there. Uh, but honestly, like in discussions with FD, I've stepped away, uh, from working with drivers specifically because I don't ever want to have somebody come back and be like, Oh, you, you gave this person more starlight because you know, you're being paid by them. Yeah. So that, that's a tough position to be in, but I do like the I, multiple revenue kind of scenario. It's something I keep yeah. telling people like that are trying to get into drifting. You can't put it all your eggs in one basket. And as you get older, you realize this becomes a lifestyle and you got to have multiple ways to make income. Yeah. yeah so. I, I've got, I got a few. I, uh, I developed like a, a completely AI built mug company because like I'm big into coffee. So in order for me to learn how to utilize AI in marketing and, and everyday business, I utilize ChatGPT to develop an entire mug company. So mm-hmm. like, all I have to do now is go into a portal and type in an idea for a mug. 
it builds that product, creates the design, prices it, makes a description, makes a social media post, and it's ready to go on the market. And I just get a notification that's like your product is done. (laughs) Yeah, it's good and bad. Like it makes some really dumb stuff from time to time, but it was like a way that I could do that. It doesn't make a ton of money. If anybody wants to really find it, it's called F Yeah Mugs. Literally the letter F, yeah, mugs.com. Oh, look. F Yeah Mugs. Um, but yeah, Sorry, I had to know because like, I keep I hearing you talk about things. Um, <laughs> you know, I always like to go both sides in the conversation. No, no, I appreciate you know? that. I mean, I, speaking of like, hey, I need more podcast episodes. You and Andy is like the like. Yeah, unfortunately, I moved. Um, I live. Yeah, I know, right? My <laughs> landlord died, and I had to. Um, oh, like actually? Yeah, no, he legit died. Oh. <laughs> and he was Sorry, he was that. doing good, man. He was like eighty something years old and. Thought he was doing pretty good. And then we get a phone call like, hey, so-and-so passed away. Uh, so-and-so is going to be taking it over. Should be fine. Find out. We're not nope. fine. They're selling the place. You got to get the boot. I'm like, oh, cool. So, and the same thing happened in my shop, literally. <laughs> but the guy, he was a great landlord. I but was at my shop. I actually grew up at my shop. Uh, it was my dad's Bill's Auto Repair uh, in like 95 or I don't know, 90. Um, and, uh, that dude passed away. It actually just took a little bit longer for all that to line up, but had to get out of both places at the same time during Irwindale. So while we were competing at Irwindale, I had like so much happening on the back end of like hot pit, having to move a stage gig that was going on the same weekend. Like there was like an incredible amount of stuff that had to happen. And then, so yeah, now I live in um, Inland Empire out here, like okay. Redlands uh, area. And it's like an hour drive. No, what is it? It's 70 miles to my old house, an additional 20 to Andy. Yeah. So we're kind of far yeah, away. We're trying to work out a way to where we both go to Prisma Lab, uh, hang out okay. and do some podcasts there. We just have, it's, you know, trying to line this podcast up, right? So now me and him got to line up the same day to go there either line up a guest or just shoot the shit, you know, and figure you that out. You can do remote. I mean, this is remote. I'll, you, you know, the software to use now, you got a mic, like you're, you're ready to go. It's yeah. not, I will say it's not the same. It's definitely not the same when, especially cause like you kind of get into like some antics and stuff too. You're always moving. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, to sit still is, I'm sure this is torture. We're an hour and a half in and you've been in the same place the whole time. Well, that's why, I, bro, I'm in my freaking Prisma race. <laughs> so you. I was like, this will yeah. be easy. <laughs> I knew if I said it like, I don't know. The only other thing I have is the coffee table, but that wasn't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely be moving more. I move a lot. But yeah, no, I, I love doing the podcast with Andy. Me and him have always had natural conversations forever that last like hours, um, especially when we're like going across country. And mm-hmm. so, so many times we're like, dude, we just got to freaking film this, you know? And uh, I'm like, yeah, I'll talk as long as you do all the work. <laughs> so he I- does all the work. I fully like, I just show up. I drink a beer. He like afterwards does all the editing, all the whatever you call it. I'm like, yeah, I'll share the post. Boop. I got a lot of other things going on. So that's one more hard thing. Take off a that's few fun. hours out of the day to go do. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed the show. I like, I like the discord and like how honest it is. Like that's, it's always the struggle, right? It's like, you want it to feel as much like a conversation that you'd normally have as possible. But like you also, I feel like you guys have like, there's no agenda. There's no overarching body. So like, it's just, it literally can be anything. Oh yeah. You know? 
Yeah. Not and, that and like you, FD even really sees these before I post them. <laughs> like there is the, the fact that they just let me do this with almost no oversight is still incredible. <laughs> like, yeah. There's a few things where I'm like, huh, they didn't mute that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> no, no. Like uh, that, that was definitely a part of the initial agreement where I'm like, I don't want anybody telling me what I can and can't say. Mm-hmm. And I think Sage just kind of was like, okay, well, like, he never, this was never like said, but like, I think he's like of the opinion where it's like, okay, just if you want to keep your job, there's lines and I'll let you figure out where those lines are. Yeah. But I've never had anything come back. There's stuff that I thought I was like, okay, we're going to post this and let's see what happens. But they literally get a copy the night before it goes up and that's it. Okay. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's been plenty of things. And I, you know, I feel like most of the drivers have been pretty honest on some of this stuff. Um, yeah. You know, I've had my years where I was pissed off at FD, loved FD, drivers pissed off. You know, there's there's all those things. Um, but you usually want to shed a positive light on most of this stuff and push the sport. Yeah. Yeah, I think it I think it would be ignorant to assume that everybody's always happy, luck go lucky, joy, joy about everything that happens. Mm-hmm. Like they, there's stuff that happens that I'm frustrated by. And and like I've I've said things on here and drivers have said things, and it's like that's the development though. If everybody just said yes and towed the company line, like nothing would ever change in the sport. And the sport changes. I mean, go look at the rule book and how many iterations there are every year. Sport oh, yeah. changes all the time. All the freaking time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, we, I, f- I feel like your conversations are just as open as any. I've I never, try. Yeah. It doesn't seem like you're holding much back. Maybe a few secrets here and there. That's fine. It's, yeah, it's tough. Like, same thing. Like, you know, you and I right now, we're sitting on a, a pretty gigantic secret that like, we, I mean, only the people that were in that meeting know about, and exactly. maybe it'll get leaked. I mm-hmm. don't know, but like, would I like to get into that conversation? A hundred percent. Yeah. But all in time. You'll see what driver uh, gets on here and get to have that conversation with. Uh, I, I think, wonder I think it's going to be Sage. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Rad. Yeah, that'll be a there's, good one. There's a couple. There's a couple big announcements that'll come out. That'll be the Ryan Sage episode. I mean, I leave it to the boss man, right? Like, I'm I'll gonna let him send some uh, some questions in on that one. <laughs> Just that. Yeah. I'm poking the bear a little bit. I know you do. I I saw it today. Uh, (laughs) I'm always torn on that with like, I never, I, I, I want the fan interaction for sure. Like I very much want fans to be able to interact with the show in, in some way, but like, you know, as well, if I were to like say, Hey, what are your questions for this driver? Forrest Wang's a great example. The first time that Forrest and I were supposed to talk was in October. If I would have said then, what do you want to ask Forrest Wang? Like, I feel like that just sets it up for failure in these situations where like things just didn't line up for that long. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, I don't want to disappoint people or get people on my case. Like, Oh, why haven't you talked to this person? And like, honestly, most of the questions that got sent in uh, for yours, like I had them on the docket. There was only a few that I didn't know, but I had to go back and look at, you know, with the, the middle finger shirt was and stuff like that. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> so like a few of those, like I'm, I'm happy that they came through, but like, a lot of them, they, they were they were here ready to go anyway. Nice. So, You're doing your research. How far back did you go? I go back to the beginning, man. Yeah, day one. I was like, really yeah, really I, curious I, what I your furthest, uh, deepest thing that you found. Uh, we have a, I have a pretty standard procedure when doing research. Uh, and then it just like expands. Like I have like kind of a, I, I'm weirdly methodical in certain things where like I have a checklist of like, okay, go back to like first Facebook post, first Instagram post, all tagged in. If one person is tagging you constantly, go to their profile and look for stuff that they didn't tag you in. And then I'll do a a usual run of like, okay, high school, schools, parents, occupation, what they did. Like you talked about your dad's shop. Like 
that was on my list to talk about, but you already covered it. Like there's usually, I have a, every driver I've ever done an interview with, I have a full document on and a full question list that like, and I've kept all of them. So like, I think it'd be kind of cool maybe to be able to release a redacted version of those. Cause there's stuff in there that I just don't talk about. Cause like, it's not fair and it's not right. And I probably went too deep and we're just not going to bring that up. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that'd be kind of cool. Like maybe a, you know, a, a premium version of the podcast, you get the full show notes of everything we researched beforehand. Mm-hmm. I'd probably let you guys clear it first though. Cause like, you know, there's some, there's some stuff in there that like, maybe you don't want to talk about. I don't think we should bring it up. So I don't bring it up. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I'm pretty open. <laughs> I feel like Jared's always with me. He's like, Hey, Mara, you, you put it all out there on your Facebook and your Instagram. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you, you do, but I mean, not all drivers do. And <laughs> no, there's, they don't. They there's don't. some deep, dark things that people have said and posted years ago on blogs that never got taken down that are still there if you know how to look for them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, nice. yeah. So and Bro, I, that's not my place. You need your own. Uh, I don't know. What, what would that be? Is that the um, not an OnlyFans? What do you call those things? I mean, were they, were like they subscribe in? Yeah. Your Patreon. There you go. I, man, my job is not to make money off of the show. <laughs> like, honestly, even like, like full disclosure, like what FD pays me to do this. I, the, the mic that you've got, like I, every driver gets a mic. That's not in the budget that comes out of my cut because I want good audio quality. Oh, I want to make sure that like, it sounds good and it's consistent. I don't have to pay an audio engineer. I pay an audio engineer, a good chunk of change to master every one of these episodes. I have a video editor that cuts all the clips. I pay him. I, I mean, I pay him decently. Uh, Shouts out, Kyle. Uh, like, Thanks, you know, Kyle. To, to, yeah, to go through and make sure we have clips for the show. Like, I could could I do it all myself for sure and make more money off it? Would I rather support two other people that are fans of the sport that like, you know, Kyle gets gets to see this show before anybody else does. Nice. Jay gets to listen to the show before anybody else does. I every bit of money that's gone that that I would have profited from has come back into the show in some way or another. I think I made $0 last year. Well, I really appreciate that. And I'm sure the world does. And we need more of all of this. I, I'm trying, man. I'm just, my goal is like, keep it consistent. Once we started shooting episodes, I'm like, I don't want to miss a week. Like, yeah, dude, you jammed through episodes like crazy. What number is this now? 52, 53 52? or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So I remember when uh, Andy was telling me, he's like, man, we're on episode 13. And I was like, man, I don't remember episode one. <laughs> and that was only like, I don't know, three months. You know, yeah. you were probably it's banging tough. out once a week. Holy smokes. That's a lot. We, we, yeah, we, we try to like, if I know, if I know I've got like traveling stuff coming up, like I'll, I'll pre-book them. Mm-hmm. This one is for like inside baseball. This is, what day is it? It's Thursday, right? So it's Thursday the 15th. This will come out the next Wednesday. That doesn't actually happen all that often. Usually gotcha. we have a one week. That way if I get sick, we at least have a week to play with or a guest cancels. The reason why is because the guest we were going to have um, didn't back out, but we had like a, a change of plans. So something that they wanted to announce, they couldn't announce. We had to move it back. And Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where so, I was at with this right now too, right? That's what I was saying earlier. Yeah. I was hoping for some big announcements on things I've got going on. And uh, sponsorship stuff just drags their freaking feet sometimes. Crazy, and, how long and it, it it's takes, terrible. Huh? If if like everyone knew how much like money on the line that we had, like it's it's a it's a bit of a gamble, right? You're like, yeah, this will all work out, you know. And you you wait till like sometimes the week before the event, yeah, of, of Long Beach before you know 
whatever kicks in, it's crazy. Some guys, like I remember, uh, what was it, Gucci's podcast? He's saying like, if you're not ready by SEMA, you're already running late. I'm like, holy smokes, bro. You are ready before SEMA? Because like, <laughs> oh man, I'll have conversations all year long, but sponsors will sometimes be like, oh yeah, Jeff, you're good. You're good. You're good. You know, then they'll give you a phone call. Oh no, something changed this year. We're not good. And that'll be in January. And then you'll get a call in like February, March, you know. All right, we're golden. Yeah. Come pick all this stuff up. Here's a check, you know. So I like I've just such an interesting take on this, just because I I deal with and see a lot of the other side of it being in the marketing part of the automotive world. So an a couple of like really interesting things happen that like we're gonna lose so many people, and then so many other people are like, holy shit. Um, okay, so I I don't even want to say the word. The the um near global apocalypse happens, right? Sure. So now a bunch of governments decide to throw a whole bunch of money into the economy. I don't want to get into politics. That's not what I'm doing here, but these are just, this is just what happened. Mm -hmm. So now a bunch of people have a bunch of money. The whole car world went, holy shit, I have a bunch of money and I have nothing else to do. I want to build some cars. Yeah. So the, the automotive economy spiked heavily. Spiked. Like crazy, right? So now a bunch of companies were able to invest a bunch more money because the the consumer economy is there. They hired a bunch of people. They did a bunch of things within marketing. My world exploded. It when when COVID happened, I left my day job. I I went full in into marketing. I was running a concrete plant for a living on top of the marketing stuff at that time. And I saw what happened. I went, I'm going all in. Quit my day job. Took out twenty thousand dollars in credit card debt. Sweet. Launched a business. There you go. Yeah, went all in. Right, big gamble. So then this happens, a bunch of people invest in it. And when you are setting marketing budgets, you build marketing budgets based on projections. Projections are based on growth, which is year over year. A lot of companies took COVID as a year to, to judge metrics off of. And realistically speaking, we shouldn't because there's so many uh, other data points and factors that, that there's a fluke needed year. to come into it. Right. That then went also into 2021. That money and that mindset was still going, but now the economy opened and people were able to do things with it. So now that money was still there, was still being invested in, and it was being uh, basically trickled down into other economies like travel, um, other businesses like that. So we still saw the spike, but that money wasn't being recirculated back into the automotive economy. It was being delineated out into other networks and departments. So now we still have the same growth, but that return didn't cycle back in. Well, now you have year-over-year -year growth and you can make a projection on that. So these companies did that. And then now we get into 2022, those projections didn't match at all. A couple mm -hmm. of companies did. Companies that actually had their marketing Guys had over-inventory or yeah, waiting on inventory stuff. because of lack of materials on other ends. So we had both problems happening simultaneously where production ramped up People bought their inventory, it sat on shelves, and that costs money. Every square foot that you have that's occupied by inventory that's not moving, it's costing you money on an actual like balance sheet. Mm -hmm. So there's there's all of these crazy factors that happened. And what I watched happen were marketing projections and marketing budgets getting moved further and further back in the year. Normally by Q3, you could have a marketing budget set for your entire next year. And that stopped happening. So normally by PRI and SEMA, you knew exactly how much money you had to spend on marketing, how much was going to drivers, what was happening with events. That didn't happen. So these large conglomerates, actually it wasn't even the large conglomerates, they, they actually did really well. You talked about Edelbrock, those companies bought other companies that didn't have their marketing. Anyways, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Uh, but 
those budgets kept getting pushed back. These companies started going bankrupt. Larger companies bought it. They didn't have to move on marketing budgets anymore. They just bought inventory that was a name. So now you're at SEMA and what was normally a surefire bet because you knew your marketing budget hadn't even been set yet because people were waiting until the end of the year, then balancing their books, then doing their P&Ls, then they were setting their budget. So 2023 and 2024 marketing budgets weren't even set until the end of Q1 of that year. So you talking about, I don't even have a sponsorship thing dealt with, that problem started because of 2020. Yep, yep. And we're just still seeing the effects. That's a good rant right there. I like it. There's some educational things right there for some dudes if you pay attention to it. Somebody, there's so um, many people that just glazed over. Right? Like, <laughs> but what like, the fuck is he talking about? Yeah, no, but that it, is exactly it. Because I talked to the companies and they kept saying, Jeff, we're killing it. We're doing good. And then a lot of them are like, oh, we ran out of product. I'm like, that's kind of a good problem to have. And they're like, ah, oh, but we need the product to sell it. And then, you know, maybe they overbought and then they got it and then didn't have anyone to buy it none. once they got it. Yeah. It's tough. Right. And then it's so saturated with sponsorships on what we're all trying to do and the same thing. Everyone's trying to hit up the same guy and not thinking yeah. outside the box to hit up different people. The move you know? is out of automotive. If you, if you truly want to grow, if you, tr- like, if you look at all of the, the guys in the sport and any of these sports that are doing well, if I had to give you any tip is find a way to saturate and get into the B2B market. Mm-hmm. Um, Salesforce is the greatest example. Look at how much money Salesforce dumps into F1. Salesforce, B2B is where the real money is. Business to business, not business yep, yep. to consumer. That's where the money is. If you want to find a big title of sponsorship, find a way to convince them that drifting is a good place to bring clients to make business to business deals. And that will happen because I'm 33, right? I am now at an age where I'm going to move into, you know, linearly into a director position in a large company for marketing, right? Like that's the path, right? So now my interests and where I want to be wined and dined to make large business deals are going to be at drifting events. Whereas before it was at horse tracks and F1 races. So the B2B is is going to happen as people of a younger age move into C-suite and director positions. So if you want to get ahead of that, find a software company that deals directly in business to business that has a that's just brought in a large amount of money through a fundraising thing that directly deals with people in a younger market. That's, yeah. I think these are great the ideas, but the problem that I keep seeing, because we are all asking this, right? We're like, how do we make this happen? How do we make this happen? Yeah. It has to trickle down from the top, right? 100%. Like, all right, I don't want to go down a Formula D needs to do all of this here, and pay man. us kind We're of here. thing. But how do I sell a company that doesn't see the other companies there, right? You see, all of these random food companies in NASCAR. But if you, like, it's just like being sponsored. It's always hard to be the first sponsor on a car, right? If you could start putting other stickers on your car, other shops, other companies, maybe they're just giving you a discount and you don't want to go too hard on that, but then you can start to sell, hey, I am professional and this is legit. So if FD can start bringing in more of those, um, those off brands, like you're saying, right? Those non-automotive brands, then right. it would become easier, I think, for the the driver's perspective to bring in those brands and say, "Hey, look, these companies are already there. These software companies are already there. These video game companies are already there." Um, so that's kind of a where the sport is new, right? We're drifting. You got drivers doing their own marketing. 
who don't have a business education, don't have a marketing background, right? Most of us probably didn't go to college because we got into cars and building cars and we're all fabricators yeah. and welders and, and have different trades. We're jack of all trades kind of people. Um, but we kind of need FD to lay down more of the foundation, right? And then we can piggyback yeah. off of that foundation of when they bring in these guys, we can then bring in also those things. Like it's interesting. I, some of the companies that even sponsor me aren't even like local or don't even have product here that you can buy. Right. Right. Um, I got lucky on some of those that wanted the content. They're just like, we just want the Instagram content. We just want your character and your, you know, your assets of what you do so we can brag about you. Uh, so when I, it comes to all those other companies, I'm with you on what you're saying, but how do I go to freaking Microsoft and say, Hey bro, I'm the dude. Come do that. You know, I can go give them the whole spiel, but they're going to look back at the series and go, it's not our demographic. We're not seeing our, our, uh, and it is the demographic, but they're not seeing their peers there, right? Same thing with the tire companies. They want to be amongst their peers. And it's why we don't have certain tire brands in here, right? right? So if we can lead them here, someone's got to be the first, right? Like it was awesome when, um, you know, uh, Reese Millen, Brian, uh, Red Bull, um, Vaughn's got Monster in here. Those were things that were huge for the sport and that put more eyes on us. So we just need I, more of that, right? Someone who is the guy who can bring more of those in. How do we do that? I think, so, I think they're already there. I think it's just how we have to frame it. So mm -hmm. don't think Type S is sponsoring. Think Horizon Brands is sponsoring it. Horizon Brands is significantly bigger than Type S is. Horizon Brands owns Type S and all the other brands. Mm -hmm. So don't say Type S is sponsoring this. Say Horizon Brands, this, I don't know the net worth, but like go Google it. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's a big company. You know, Rockstar is not here. Coca-Cola is here. Yeah. Doc is not here. It's a, it is a Pepsi product. Pepsi product. It, Pepsi is here. Like, it, it is all a case of of how you how you frame the situation. And that's the marketing brain in me where it's like, it's not a bug, it's a feature. Like, it, it is there. It is happening. It can happen. Mm -hmm. I agree that we do need something like that. But like, you want to, you, oh man, this is going to piss off some people. You want a life hack? Go on LinkedIn, sort by people who are in the C-suite or director role, and then sort by age. And find somebody that is a C-suite person that is below the age of 40 that is with that is C-suite in marketing, CFO, uh, or sorry, CMO, you know, director of marketing, and then sort by companies that are over $500 million and find a way to make friends with that guy. Yep. That's that's your guy or girl or person or whoever. But those are the people that we need to be like hyper targeting. And if you want to have a real good time at it, LinkedIn now allows you to run ads on a personal account. So learn how to run LinkedIn ads, find that group of people, build that out in targeting and tell them how incredible Formula Drift is and what the CPM is and what the reach is and what the demographic is. Because if you look at Formula Drift's deck for, for demographic and the people that we reach, that is the golden audience of marketing. That is that is a group of people. I got to grab my where, notebook. Hold on. It's all good. You, you're going to get a recording of this. I'll send you a transcript. But like, look at Formula Drift's deck. Like from the marketing perspective, that is a... A, a primarily male population between the ages of 18 and 35 
that are free spenders and for the most part have surplus income. Mm -hmm. That is what every company wants. Like it is that demographic, you pay a significant amount of money for an email list of those people. I can tell you right now that that group of people compared to the same group that's 20 years older costs about four times more to run Facebook ads to than, than an older demographic. Yeah. Nah, you're giving away gold right now, bro. You definitely, uh, I, someone I hope people do are paying attention it, to man. it. Exactly. Do something with it. Exactly. Like, like I want, I want for the love of God, I want somebody to come back and be like, I took everything you said and now I've got, you know, whatever monday.com, right? Slack, like one of these very large software companies, Trello, whatever. These are things I use every day. So that's what I'm thinking of. Like, mm -hmm. cool. Let's get, you know, Discord. Why isn't Discord sponsoring FD? Why aren't there like... Yeah, I've, I've looked or, into or that. Sometimes there's like a company like that and you're like, how do they make their money? Because then, you know, once you realize how they make their money, then you can figure out how you can give them a return. So that becomes you, like the harder part of like, yeah, how do I Usually, market this? With that, it's an expense account for a much larger software company where Discord is a development place for a larger company or a place that they can spend money to balance their books later on, which is great because that means they have money to spend. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. What's your take on hungry companies versus um, maybe automotive companies that are not hungry? Because I always hear people knocking on the doors of certain companies, right? Like, let me give you an example. Okay. Um, I used to be sponsored by a clutch company. And yeah. they were doing good. They were fine. But then I saw Action Clutch. Like, I saw their Instagram account. I saw what they were doing. They were going to the car shows. They were like attacking people. And they had actually sponsored me a long time ago. They were actually one of my very, they were one of my original first sponsors in my FC. And so I went back to them and I was like, hey man, you guys are making moves right now. Like, I'd rather go in this direction because um, I feel like you guys are hungry. You probably want to spend some money. You probably want to promote the heck out of your product, and I want to grow with you guys and do that. Versus some of these other companies, they might be bigger, but they're more complacent. They're more just, they're not hungry. They're not making moves, but yeah. they're bigger. So they might have a bigger budget, right? So like, uh, that's one of the things where I'm always seeing, uh, it's working out well for me and what I'm doing, but I always see other drivers are like, oh, I'm hitting up this clutch company over and over, but they don't really want to make any moves. I'm usually saying, I don't know, man, go to the guy that's hungry and wants to make moves, but they're just kind of waiting for them to, you know, write that bigger check once they can convince the older dude that it's worth it. Yeah. So there's, there's like, I mean, there's, there's a couple of ways to address this. And, and once See, again, I just want to take the marketing. No, 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 it's that. fair. There's, I, I have to be like super careful because I have very, very specific examples that I just can't talk about. Sure. But, Me too. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you and I could get into it after. Um, <laughs> the, the, the big thing to look at, it honestly is the marketing department, right? At the end of the day, like the, the teams that, that I manage and operate, we speak with clients and, and we work as an agency model. So uh, essentially a company will hire us because their marketing is not good. Nobody calls us because their shit's working and they want it to be better. And we help develop what that needs to happen. And one of the things that we talk about is getting your influencer program under control, understanding what you need to do with your influencers, the deliverables. And I say influencers because it could be YouTubers, it could be drivers, it could be whatever. The biggest mistake that brands make when it comes to this management, I'm sure you've had this problem, is they're like, yeah, we're going to sign this driver. And they sign the driver and they give you a bunch of product, and a bunch of money. At the end of the year, they go, what the hell did you do for me? 
And you're sitting there going like, well, you didn't ask me to do anything. I just, I just took it and I said, thank you. And, and maybe I sent you some posts and did a couple things, but like, that's it. And it's because the companies, and this is usually the smaller, scrappier companies that often will bring on a bunch of drivers all at once and then burn themselves out. They don't actually know what to do with the content. They don't know how to utilize it properly. They don't know how to run ads with it, use social media for it, put it in their emails. A lot of companies like that. Even big companies. Provide proof. There's a lot of big companies. Yeah, amazingly. That's that's what's keeping me employed. Um, But they don't know. So as a driver... You, you guys need to be educated as to like what good marketing looks like. And if you see the brand that's sponsoring you not utilizing your content, find a way to get them to utilize it in a, in a, a positive way. A, a great example of this right now is make a post in, in, on Instagram and set up a collab mm-hmm. and then teach the person that's running their social media how to accept the collab yep. and then just let them know every time. Cool. You've solved that problem. At the end of the year, you can pull that data on those collabs and say, this is what I gave you. I gave you 6 million people at a $5 CPM. And they go, oh, what does that mean? And I go, this is how much it costs you to reach 1,000 people. It costs you $6 to reach 1,000 people every time. That is, that is a marketing term that most people will be able to communicate with. So when you see a larger company with a larger budget, that's great. But usually those larger companies have one marketing department across several brands. So those marketing people are often burnt out, don't have enough things to do. So you can get more money out of them, but you need to make that marketing person's job super easy. You need to cut your videos in a way that they're ready to just go up on Instagram and then they'll use it. Mm -hmm. The more friction you add in your deliverables, the less likely they are to use it. If my team gets in a bunch of stuff from a driver and it's not tagged, it's not organized, I don't know who's in it, I don't know what event it's from, we're not going to use it because we're going to go to the driver who sends it in folders that have, this is the photographer that took it, so I know who to tag so they don't blow us up in the comment section. Like Little things like that. The easier you make it for the marketing department, the more likely they are to use it and the more return they're going to feel out of your program. Yeah. I think you'd really so like you, my uh, my wife's write-up reports after every round. Every driver should be doing that. Yeah. She does an amazing job of, of doing a full write-up report, sending all of these assets out, videos, photos, yeah. you know, Larry Chen photos, um, where they're at, like how the day went, In a Google some Drive. numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And like yeah, these people our, are always like, Dude, you, you send us so much. We can't just post you. <laughs> That's, you know? that's the best problem to have. But if you're, so to answer your question, like I, I had to preface that if you're looking at a small scrappy company that's doing it, they probably don't have a lot of money and you're going to be spread thin a bunch that uh, you're not going to get a bunch of money. You're probably going to get a bunch of parts because that's way cheaper and way easier to write off. Um, if they allow you to sell them, then do that, but clarify that with your sponsor first. Don't just sell parts they're giving you to make money, but if they're cool with it, you can do it you're probably going to get mixed in with a whole bunch of other drivers and it's going to be very difficult to get ahead. But if you're consistent and you consistently put yourself ahead of those people and make sure whoever's within that marketing department is happy, that is the way to go. If you're dealing with a larger company, you there, there's a much higher likelihood that you're going to get more money out of it. But you need to very much make sure that you understand what that marketing department looks like meet with those people, find out what friction point they have or what's difficult for them and solve that problem for them. The best advice I can give is like, make the marketing people happy because they're the person that's going to pitch it to their boss, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the person that goes to the, at the end of the year, when I deal with these brands, they, they will ask me, 
give me a list of all of our influencers and who made us the most amount of money. And I have to make a report that literally dictates that. And I have tools that track that and all that stuff. And I could get into how you do that shit, but we'd be here for another hour. But I get asked, I got asked today in a meeting, hey, these are our 15 influencers. Can you let me know what they've done for us since January 1? And of those 15 influencers, three of them are going to stay and the other 12 are going to disappear and they're going to have their contracts cut short. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think from that statement, what I took from that, um, I don't know if it necessarily answered the question which one I would go to. Sorry, yeah. But work your ass off for these people, right? That's don't, it. Don't take money and run. Make sure no. that once you do get something, it's not just free money. Send them some assets back. Make it easy for them. Make it easy for you I, to be their star so they pick you at the end of the year. There's so many people that are sponsors that have been burnt out over it. They're like, oh, we did drifting. Yeah. Um, we're not doing that no more. And I'm just like, God damn it, it somebody ruined this for me. Because they had somebody that they gave a bunch of money to, over-promised, right? Under-delivered. Under-delivered. They did it wrong. Do it the opposite. Jared Deanna gave me that advice a long time ago. Um, And just (sighs) ruined it. You cannot do that. Ask for the right amount of money and give those deliverables in so that you can make this long-term, man. Like most of my sponsors have been with me. Uh, for years now, Doc's been there a long time. You know, Duraflex, Action Clutch, Top One Oil. Those dudes flew me to China. That was amazing. You know, Prisma Labs. Those guys are always the boys hanging out. Like all of these dudes, they see all the deliverables and the hard work that we put into it. So I wish more guys didn't just complain. Oh, why can't I get more sponsors and just pay me? You got to work your ass off for it, bro. You're probably going to work harder to get sponsors than you are to just go work and make that money realistically, you know, yeah. hate to tell you that, but it's not easy money. It's not free money. You know, one thing no. I was thinking, listening uh, to some of the old podcasts, um, you're probably going to spend a hundred grand in drifting before you make 10 grand. Yeah. 100%. And, and however fast you spend that hundred grand is how fast you're going to get that 10 grand. So like if you're spending five grand a year, 10 grand a year, that's going to be your path to to getting that amount of money for later on. Like again, you know, taking on uh, like Brandon, wealthy family, they're able to present a wealthy, good-looking product. You know, they're right. coming with a rig. They spent that hundred grand way quicker, right? Spent than I did first day. coming into it. Yeah, they spent the first day. Second day, they got sponsors of salt and said, "All right, we're yeah, we're in on this." You know, a lot of us, mm-hmm. we got to uh, we got to play first. Mm-hmm. We got to spend the money. We got to show that we're actually at the track, that we have, you know, a full plan, a date ahead of us before we can ask for this money. It's, I just, so many people ask me, how do I get sponsored? God damn it. I hate that question. <laughs> but uh, first off, you got to go race, bro. You got to spend that money first. Stop asking for free money. The, the biggest tip I can give anybody right now is if there's any number you're looking at that like from, from my perspective and from a lot of people's perspective, it's engagement rate. That is that is the number you need to look at. I don't care if you have 100,000 followers or 200 or 3 million. If less than 1% of your followers actually engage with your post, it means nothing to me. Yep. For sure. That's it. Because I take your followers and then I take your engagement rate and that gives me the actual number of people of market, I'm marketing to. Yep. And it's right? so easy to see the the fake followers, fake engagement. I have tools that check every <laughs> like, bro, influencer we look with. Like, exactly. Do you not know what Social Blade is? <laughs> do you? Do you? Do you, do you yeah, not see that I saw that you bought hundred thousand followers on this day? 
Like, no, that's that's a bad tool. I feel like people that do that, you it's end up leaving not, a bad taste in your sponsor's mouth at the end of the year because they don't see the what would have been returns. Answer, like, oh, man, this is the same thing. Like, I wish I, like, I at one point in time, I, like, full disclosure, I actually had a, a small course where I was teaching drivers, like, how to get better at sponsorship from the perspective of the companies. But, like, an easy tip, just every time there's a comment, when you comment back, ask a question. Yeah. Don't Don't just be like, yeah, cool, thanks, man. Ask another question right. because More they're going to comment again. Your engagement rate keeps going up. You now build a, a following of fans that know you're going to answer and and engage with them. It is like it's social media. It's meant to be social, mm-hmm. not just post and ghost. So yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Vaughn has been yeah, a big inspiration the last few years of uh, someone who's working their ass off and succeeding so well in the things they're doing. So yeah. that's like, I don't know. That dude's doing but, big things, man. He just took and drifted also, to another level. Oh, yeah. And he, and he also knows the things that like he's not as good at and finds people that are good at it, right? Like his his content team is incredible. The RTR content team, like they hustle so hard mm-hmm. and like they do so much, but like he found people that are going to work hard for him and create amazing stuff. Yeah. Like if you if you don't have a a, a social media person or, or like a content person on your team, that should be one of your first investments in drifting. Right. Or an Andy Haley. Get yourself a drift yeah, wizard. The drift wizard. Dude. That's His content one of the, is so good. He's blowing up. It, 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 I, it's incredible. Like, it's such a, I mean this in the most loving way because I love Andy and I've known him for years. It's it's such a dumb thing, but it's so perfect. Yeah. Like th- this this hat. This is the dumbest thing ever. But I am 100% leaning in on this. And I like, can't, if, if you, if you follow me on social media, you already know some stuff, but like, why wouldn't I? Yeah. Right. They're going to recognize it's, you. You know, a lot of us are just a face if you're not used to seeing it, you know, I got my yeah. hat back there, you know, it's easy. Yeah. One of the things that, uh, in production concerts a long time ago, you got teams of 20 teams of 50 people working on a big show and they're like, Oh, who do I go talk to for this? Who do I go talk to for that? My boss would always wear a cowboy hat and it wasn't, yeah, nece- it wasn't necessarily if, it was, uh, you know, hot out or not, but it's like, oh, that guy's a cowboy hat. Real quick, go to him. You know, yeah, easy to point him out. There he is. Go to him. And uh, yeah, that was one of those things where it's like, you know, something that makes you stick out as an item. You know, same thing. I'm with driving. That, that just started off as my drinking hat. It just kind of made it into drinking. Ah, uh, not just you're just drinking all the time. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit, a little bit of Doc, a little bit of Tennessee honey. I just always get ruined Ooh. when I jump into pools with it. They don't last very mm. long. End no, of the night. Yeah, these are these are pretty similar. Although I'm working on a version that's a little more sturdy. It just disintegrates. So. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh man. Well, uh, yeah, we've already crushed out two hours. I I would yeah. I could you get me on marketing? Like there's two things I'm passionate uh, about, and it's drifting and marketing. So I get it. There's so many things. Um marketing I talk about too all day because like trying to help everyone out. Um yeah. and push the new series, push the new things that we're doing. Um before we get off, you know, let me just tell everyone, please do yourself a favor. If you like drifting and you want it to stay around, push it, push it. Like post about it. Tell people about the local events that are happening. Um, even Formula D, man. Tell people you're going to a Formula D event. Tell them you're going to a Hot Pit Auto Fest event. Tell them you're going to a US Drift Circuit event, right? Your local, whatever it is, if you want it to stay there and you want it to grow, they all need your help. So we all need drifting yeah. to grow. Blow it up. If, even if it's not drifting, if you just like freaking Vienna sausage and you want everyone to eat those suckers, man, blow them. them up. 
Because yeah. if you don't, it's going to go away and you're going to be one of those guys. It's like, oh man, I wish that was happening again. You weren't one of the ones to help. It's not working. Look how many disappointed middle-aged men there are right now because of what's happening with drag strips. Mm-hmm. Don't let's, let's not become drag racing. Like nothing against drag racing, but like people stopped going. Exactly. That's, that's They're it. complaining, people but they weren't going. showing up. They're complaining. Oh, I got to yeah. spend 20 bucks. Like, dude, a movie costs 20 bucks now. Yeah. You know, you go sit at a movie for freaking an hour or two With, for 20 bucks. You won't go to the racetrack and spend 20 to 30 bucks. Yeah. You know, this just, is a lot of money. Just being go spent to your to local event. Yeah. Support yeah. your local people, whoever, even whatever. Even if you're it not is. driving, even if you're not driving, I know that's a hard concept to go to the racetrack, even though you're not driving. But like, mm-hmm. if you're feeling called out right now, it's just, it's for a reason. Yeah. Oh, go yeah. to the track. I'd call them all out, bro. <laughs> uh, it's like one of those things that bugs me. People are like, well, I'm not driving. I'm not going. I'm like, that is a terrible mentality. Yeah. The, oh, well, I mean, how many sanctioned bodies started and went away because they didn't have enough people show up? Yeah. You know, there's plenty here in SoCal that just burnt out. There's plenty across the country. So yeah. if you guys take anything away from this, I think it was like a huge educational hour, two hours of freaking marketing for drifting. If you are that person <laughs> and if you're not that person, support that person, man. Freaking show up, spend a few bucks because that's what's going to make this whole thing go around. Yeah. And we all need it. Yeah. Dude, buying shirts, that goes a huge way. Like, man, uh, that's just, that's been an incredible thing. If you guys aren't selling merchandise, you're messing up. We doesn't sold, matter what level you're at. Grassroots? Yeah. I don't we, care. We have sold so much merchandise this year. Uh, can't be more thankful of the fans who are down to buy that stuff. Thank you so much. But that that's uh, it's too easy not to nowadays. Right, have your own unique shirt. Push it. Yeah, so. I agree. Uh, yeah, sick, Jeff. Uh, dude, this is awesome. Uh, hopefully, there's still people around and and people got some stuff out of it. But uh, yeah, I feel like we didn't talk about you enough. It became about me, which isn't my goal. But nah. this, this means we get you back on. That's all. Yeah, no worries. Um, you know what? You always do the uh, FD um, discount. Why don't we do like a hot pit discount? We'll get five bucks off if they stayed this far into the podcast. I love it. Right. I so if you use, uh, for, screw it. If you use FD podcast on the hot pit auto fest website, I'll give you five bucks off for showing up. If you made it this far in the podcast, Let's right? Go. I gotta go make that yeah. code now. You should. Yeah. <laughs> March hey, 2nd, nice is, Irwindale. <laughs> Gotta we tell can track that. We can, we can track that too. Yeah, you can we track can that. Figure out how many, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just more marketing stuff. <laughs> yeah. Cool. We got to hang uh, out more. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, cool for everybody listening. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, for everybody watching, same thing. And uh, Jeff, I, I appreciate it. Please, for everybody, sure, go follow Jeff if you don't already. Jeff Jones Racing, pretty yeah. easy. Check it. Check out the stories on FD Weekends. I do it. I do it the whole time because it's great. So, um, yeah, and uh, we'll catch everybody on the on the next one. 